Hey guys, brand new podcast. Uh, happy holidays. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Spend New Year's Eve with me in West Palm Beach. And promised you won't sing. West Palm Beach. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to be in West Palm Beach Improv. Uh, I think it's called Stand Up Live now. The 29th, 30th, and 31st. Come celebrate with me. Stress Factory, Tacoma, Helium, Portland. The Wilbur second show added is almost sold out. I, I would, it'll be sold out by the time this airs. So if, it's, if you're hearing this for the first time, which can't believe you are um and then uh leading up to the truck i'm i'm skipping over dates you sound sick i feel sick oh man i feel sick um and i'm, I'm gonna have to cancel my spots at the store tonight because uh i have a 6 a.m flight and i'm just i just it's too much it is too much because you work every single day and sometimes you get sick and you just yeah. need to rest the best way to get better is to rest um i'm bummed out because i wanted to see david spade the joke i told about your dad last night yeah was uh after roy moore lost mm-hmm. i was like i don't know what i said but i said you know my wife's family is uh, the guy that vote for roy moore mm-hmm. and i was like you know I said something like my wife's dad was like, "Hey, I was on thirteen. I don't know, me mom and people was on thirteen. It does sound like it. totally sounds. Hey, boy. And then I told this story about I'd almost killing me on the jet ski. Oh yeah. And then the best part I think of the story is you didn't tell the story of you almost killing me on the jet ski. No. Oh, you left that out. So you and I are actually same same, but you just left that detail out. Yeah, I totally forgot that. Uh huh. She almost um, broke your ribs, but I think you almost broke mine. Yeah. I used oh. to tell that. I used to tell your story on stage. I know. Yeah. But you, you Now, do you feel, you feel a little bit like less of a victim? No. Can I tell you, can I share with you guys what happened last night? Uh. I, I wish I could share the audio. Um, we had a Georgia's choir performance last night. Yes. And that Isla was forced to go to, which turned into a real fucking parenting moment about yeah. how not to be selfish and how not to be self-focused and how hard Georgia works on be on the choir. She rehearses 10 hours a week and it is really rude to not want to go see and be proud of your older sister who busts her ass for something that Isla could give two shits about. And when I said, you know, Georgia goes to every softball game and never complains. Isla's response was, I don't care if she goes to softball. And I'm like, you might be, you might be a little bit self-focused. So I'm going to try to save these, edit them together, and post them on my Instagram because it was so funny. Yeah. <clears throat> but in the middle, they have this shitty auction every time. This auction sucks. It's a live auction. It's a though. live auction because it sucks because like like one time they're like, seats to see an Ellis, Ellen DeGeneres concert. Uh, we'll start the bidding at $100. Everyone's like, I don't want to fucking go to that shit. This is LA. Do that shit in fucking Omaha where someone might be interested in seeing a live taping. But we all work in the industry in this school, and so none of us want to go. So they do the auction, and we just kind of roll our eyes. And even our friend Kathy was like, "Was like, I'll just bid on this to get it to be end." Right. And so then, and then they were like, "In the second half, we're going to be doing an auction. We're going to be auctioning off Lakers tickets and be a kid again. Uh, Nine board games and an actual snow machine that makes snow." And Isla's eyes light up. And she goes, Dad, we're getting that. And I was like, oh, you fucking, you're right, we are. 
And I say to Leanne, our limit's $1,000. And Leanne says, no, it's not. I said, Isla, don't worry. No one's beating me out for this. And she was like, okay, okay. So they start the bidding and... At 200 bucks. At 200 bucks. And Isla goes, bid, dad, bid, dad. I go, Isla, play it cool, play it cool. She goes, dad, 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 bid. And I go, hold on. So the to 200 bucks, do we have 210 bucks? And I just no, go... No, it was 250. No, I, I was the one that said 250. Uh. And everyone was like, whoa. And so then this guy in the back goes, um, 300. And everyone's like, oh, 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 do we have another 300? And I was like, dad, bid, dad, 350, 350. I'm like, at least I'm excited she's doing her math right. And so I go, 350. And it goes up and up and up until the very end. I got to see if I can just play it for you and see if you guys can hear it. Because it'll be deleted by the time this airs. Hang on. Why will it be deleted? Oh, wait, hold on. Hold on. Here. I love. Oh, this guy's got nothing on me. Four hundred. <laughs> it's fun, isn't it? Isla's smiling ear to ear. The guy in front of you is holding both ears because you're yelling so loud. <laughs> right behind his head. 400 going once. He's here, Isla. 500! <laughs> Isla is shaking in this. Uh, 50? By the way, Georgia was on stage when this oh was happening. Oh, my God. And she didn't know it was her dad at first. And then everybody started going, that's your dad. That's your dad. And she turned, like, profile her back was to the audience because she was ready to do her, her routine. And her face was like fire engine red. She was yeah. so embarrassed, but so excited. It was so it was really much cute. fun. And Isla's right next to me, just 600, 600, dad, 600. <laughs> She's like, we gotta get this snow machine. Yeah. And so we got this snow machine. We got so, a snow machine. So we're gonna, we're gonna have a white Christmas in Valley Village. Right. I can't wait. We'll be covered in soap. It's, yeah, that's the only thing I didn't like about it. It's soap. It's soap. Yeah, she said if you, this is, this kind of is ridiculous. She was like, what you should do is get a slip and slide and put it under the snow machine and then just slip and slide in the snow because yeah. it just covers the slip and slide with soap. Oh, okay. So. It was fun as shit. We, and then uh, I said, and the money goes directly to the choir, which it doesn't go to school. It doesn't go like to the music department. It goes yeah. to the choir, which is George's thing. They so. were so blown away that someone would bid $600. By the way, I was willing to go up to $1,000 because it, it no. cost $1,000 to rent this thing. We got it for like a month. For three weeks. Three weeks, yeah. And so I was like, I'll, I'll, I would rent one for three weeks because I'm going to do promos with it. I'm going to use it. We're going to use just, it at a birthday party. Yeah, use it at a birthday party. We're gonna, it's going to snow here on Christmas Eve. It's going to snow here Christmas Eve. We can't wait. And so uh, uh, it'll be fun. it was funny shit last night. 
Uh, but then I went over to the store. I did four shows at this store, three shows at the store. And, uh, and that was fun. The new material set was awesome. Ron White is so fucking funny. Um, the OR was, I learned a very valuable lesson. The cunt joke I'm working on that word caught you off guard. Everybody <laughs> is not an opening joke. So you heard it last night, right? Halston. Yeah. <laughs> it's not an opening joke. It's a joke. Once you've established a rapport, repertoire, a rapport, rapport. That's when you slide it in. Um, today's podcast is sponsored by a new a sponsor, which I absolutely fucking love. Um, I'll give you a little backstory first. Before I started my podcast, there was an app I think called uh, Say Now or Call Now mm-hmm. that um, that would you could record podcasts on your phone that would post directly to your MySpace. It didn't. It wasn't. Technology wasn't around to make it as accessible as it is. But it's where I started listening to my friend's podcast. Bill Burr started his Monday morning podcast on there. Bobby Kelly used to do it. You did it on your phone. So Bobby Kelly would call Colin Quinn and they would talk for like an hour about whatever they talked about and you got to hear their conversations. It was so neat. And then I started one. I started doing one and posting it to MySpace. But the problem is you had to be on your MySpace to listen to it. It only went directly to your MySpace and you couldn't backlog them. You couldn't like get the, the, um, the, the, uh, you couldn't material. get previous episodes. No, no, you just had to scroll on their MySpace page. It was oh, really okay. actually, but it, but it was, it was my, ahead of its time. It was it was ahead of its time in a million ways because number one, you didn't need to buy all the equipment. You just had to have your phone, and right. it sounded. Was it a flip phone? Uh, for me back then, probably. Yeah, it was MySpace probably. time probably had. This. It was a, probably a BlackBerry. Oh, maybe a BlackBerry. And so. It sounded oh, it sounded like you're on the phone, right? But with technology nowadays, I, I use my iPhone to send in like Barry Katz did a thing on his podcast where he mm-hmm. had people send in voicemails. I, I recorded it on my iPhone right. and sent it in. I used to do the reads, the opening reads to this podcast used to be done on my iPhone, right? Because I had a microphone for it. Now technology's caught caught up, and we have a sponsor called Anchor.fm. What this is is you can record podcasts on your phone, post them, people can call in, you can call in people, you can call into other podcasts, and you can listen to podcasts. That's my rough understanding of it. I'll give you the read as they would like it read, but I really find this app fucking fascinating. It is an app, yeah. It's an app for your phone, downloadable. That's the website, but it is predominantly used as an app, I believe. It is really freaking cool. I listened... And it just keeps playing. So, like, I listen to this one. Uh, it's called Weed Talk, maybe. Well, I just called into her. Oh, it's called Take You Higher. And so people call in, and, like, three people were smoking smoking Purple Haze and called in and then left it for her, and then she referenced it. And then other – she's answering callers. It was really cool. I called in and asked her about um, uh, vape pens because that's all I really smoke these days. And it's really neat. Here's the read as you need to know the information given to you. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Anchor. If you've ever wanted to make a podcast like this one, but thought the process would be expensive and horrible, no need to worry. Anchor is the quickest and easiest way to make and distribute your own podcast. Just download the app, record with your phone, and publish. Best of all, it is completely free. Check it out and make your own podcast at anchor.com, anchor.fm slash Burtcast. That's anchor.fm slash Burtcast. 
That's anchor.fm slash BurtCast. I'm thinking I've always wanted to do a podcast um, where I could take calls and stuff. Uh-huh. I may do this on the road at airports when I'm bored at a bar or or uh, or in traveling just do it with my phone and then if you guys download the app you can then call into me and ask me questions and I can reply to your questions on this it'll be separate from this podcast but it'll be on their on their app it's a really cool app I listened to one on bitcoins today um, and there's no reason not to do it if you've ever wanted to screw around and make your own podcast this is completely accessible to everybody so um, I'm gonna do one Let's see if I can get the name BurtCast on there. It'll just be an extension of this podcast where you can go and ask How questions. How does that work, I wonder? Because if you have BurtCast on your BurtCast.com and then you have BurtCast... I don't know. I don't know. I just started playing with the app on your phone. Anchor.fm so slash BurtCast, maybe. I screwed up because I started it on your phone, not... Uh, well, you put it on your phone. I'm going to put it on my, my phone, phone. But I, I, I started calling in for people on your phone. <laughs> awesome. So she's going to call me about a vape pen and I'm going to go, yeah, I don't know nothing about no vape pen. Check it out. Anchor.fm slash BurtCast and start your, uh, start your podcast. And then hit me up. I'll be on there. I'm going to do it now. We're going to a meeting right now with my uh, business managers, team. business team. And then, uh, yeah. So... Uh, this week's podcast is really awesome. Is there anything else you want to share, Leanne? Get merch or anything like that? Yeah, birdbirdbird.com. Yeah? For for tour dates, for merchandise, for... Do we have any beanies yet? I Nope, they're not here yet. I'm waiting. I wanted to take one to... I know. Uh, nope, they, they're still manufacturing them, assembling them. Um, sweatshirts. Sweatshirts, t-shirts, birdcast mug, uh, DVDs, CDs, posters... Signed posters, signed book, lots of merch. Um, today's podcast is an interesting one. I've known New York City. Do you know this person? No. Should we take a call live on the podcast? It's probably uh, your vape pen girl. Oh, it fucking is. Well, then answer the phone. Hold on. Hello? Hello? Yeah. Who is this? Eddie? Eddie? Oh, he's about the ACL. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, Eddie. How about the dog? Oh, hold on one second. Weird is that? You're like, you call my wife? It's Eddie Ift, everybody. Ah. I'm doing the intro read to my podcast. Oh, hi, everyone. Do you have any tour dates you want to plug? He's pulling. that? Sorry. My daughter's <laughs> crushing my face. I said, do you have any tour dates you want to plug? Anything you want to plug? Yeah, I'll be at Pittsburgh at the, uh, the arcade theater. Ow. Ow. That's an elbow. Um, arcade theater. Izzy, seriously, you're gonna put it out. Um, the arcade theater on the 21st of of December in Pittsburgh. One uh, night only. All right, all right. Hey, Leanne, I'll call you right back. We're gonna finish doing this read, okay? Okay. Bye, Leanne. Bye, bye. Eddie's um, dog's going through ACL stuff. I've been through that more than once. Um, today's podcast is really fascinating because this is a guy I've known for a very long time. He's made me laugh numerous times, but it's always when he's not trying to make me laugh that makes me laugh the hardest. Um, and I think we talk about that a little bit. He, we did the South African, uh, South African comedy festival together. Yep. We were there for 21 days. So I, I really got to know him, know him enough to bully him. We talk about that at the end of the, at the end of the podcast. Classy moves. Where, uh, where, we talk about the only uh, almost not, not fight, but like where you like pulled me aside and he was like, "Hey man, 
that was really not cool what you did. <laughs> we talk about that at the end, so listen for the end. But what was fascinating about him is that, you know, Tom has the, his name's Tom Clark, he's a comedian, but Tom has this very wholesome Midwest uh, look and feel and vibe. Yeah. And it carries through to his core. He talks about that. We talk about his dad fighting in World War II. His dad's parents well, his were older. His dad was old. His, yeah, his parents were older when they met. He talks about all this. We talk about his dad, which is really fucking fascinating because the way it, you have to listen because the way he talks about his dad, I am certain every dad wants their kid to talk about them. It, that way. It is. He has massive respect for his dad. It's really fascinating. Um, we talk about him doing Last Comic Standing and he's made and released his own special. So oh, that's do, great. Do me a favor. That's awesome. It's seven ninety nine. It's on Amazon and on iTunes right now. It's called Outraged. It's called Outraged because trust me, when you watch him, you're just gonna giggle. He's a funny dude, and this is a special. I'm certain you could probably watch around your parents because Tom isn't like he he says he has one one dirty joke and that's it. Like and he just says fuck once. So um, he is fucking really funny. You will enjoy this special. He he paid for it himself. So I always say go out and support us that make our own stuff and put it out when we finally make it and it's free. Like we have this content that's free all week. Well, when someone comes on our podcast to promote stuff, just do a solid. It's it's eight bucks. Download it and enjoy it. It's going to be good. You will like it. He is a solid guy. You're going to love this podcast. It's, it is fun. And I think Leanne comes in at the end. Yeah, I do. We talk about South Africa. Yeah, we talk about South Africa. Uh-huh. Stick around for that. Yeah. And just listen to Bert get shit on for being human. Bert didn't get... Whoa, that is not what happened. <laughs> Bert got shit on for being not human. Yeah, that's right. I'm better than human sometimes. No, not, not when you go to South Africa. Yeah? No. No. Uh... So enjoy the podcast. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, pick up his special outrage on Amazon and iTunes right now. Tom. Ladies and gentlemen, today's Burtcast. <laughs> Tom Clark. This is Burtcast. I did a I should remind you. Thank you. How'd you whittle down the size of your, uh, those cards? I've been wanting to frame my Conan thing, but, uh... I think that was just the size of the cards they used. Then. All right. Yeah. Okay. I think. I'm not certain. They, they fit in my backpack. Are yours bigger? Yeah, they're kind of giant, yeah. Really? Here, just move this around as much as you yeah. want. All right. Um, yeah. Justin Stangle was the executive producer of the show at the time. Him and his brother. Mm-hmm. The Stangle brothers. And then, uh... And they just came up to me and they had them in their hands and they're like, throw these in your backpack. Right, right. And yeah. I was like, oh, cool. Yeah. I had my manager grabbed them. When did you do Conan? <laughs> um, about two years ago, September. Nice. 20, 2015, yeah. Did you get nervous before you did it? Not really. Actually, they called me that day because the person they had was, because uh, I would, had been approved, but they didn't think it would be till next year. And then they're like, can you do it today? And I was like, yeah. Really? So they sort of taped over <laughs> the person's name and put my name in there. <laughs> uh, I got nervous. I did Conan recently and I was nervous. Yeah. And I was like, I'm so shocked that I get nervous still. Right, right. You know, like, is there ever going to be a point where I'm not nervous? Right. 
but yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, Conan was like what I was waiting to do, like my whole career. Really? So, yeah. So it's like. I don't know. I was just, I think just getting the call the day of and all that and just being like, no time to think about it. No yeah. time to advertise it. Just get there. Just show, you just show up. Yeah. Do you wear a suit? No. No. <laughs> no I wore a, a, a short sleeve plaid shirt and probably these pants. <laughs> Same pants I wear every day. Uh, Do you write any dirty material? Oh, yeah. Really? Well, I have like one dirty joke. I, I just have it it's uh but it's like a ridiculous swear it's like it's like i do this action movie that i'm pitching and i'm like uh so i was like working on this action movie i have some lines in mind so the first one's like i hope you brought a monkey because i'm about to get bananas and then the second one's (laughs) like looks like somebody's got a death wish and i'm gonna grant that wish because i'm a big fairy (laughs) and then the last one is hey the fuck store called Fuck you. So that's like that's like the only F it's word I dirt. have in my soul. I love yeah. that you just even refer to it as the F word. <laughs> even though I just said fuck, yeah. So Dude, the, one of the funniest things I, I've to this day, I watch it and it makes me laugh. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, the uh comedy lessons. Yeah, comedy yeah. the comedy one oh one. Yeah, lesson yeah. number two. Uh yeah, when I hit my hand on oh. my desk. <laughs> <laughs> makes me laugh so hard. It's I I must have watched that, and I know that, but it was probably somewhat intentional, or it wasn't. But right. it, but it doesn't. None of that matters to me. Right. Your your reaction when you do that <laughs> is so fucking it's, funny. Yeah. No, it was one of those things where I shot like four takes of it, and I was like, yeah, I got to keep the one where I bash my. Oh, hand. it was so. It made me laugh so fucking hard. Right. But yeah, that I I I. Uh, I, I don't think I could work clean. Do you get to do a lot of corporate stuff? Here and there. I mean, I, my act is also kind of weird clean, so it's not like very, uh, it's not always accessible to like a corporate audience. They have to be kind of weird and silly. Oh, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, I get a lot of like, yeah, I mean, not a lot. I, I'd say it's it's, all, it's about even. It doesn't really help me or hurt me, I think, but. Yeah, I don't. I don't really get like a ton of. What's the What's the special you did? So I, uh, so about uh, back in May, I shot my special at El Portal Theater, uh, North Hollywood, where I saw Carl Barron. Remember Carl Barron from South Africa? No. Oh wait. The oh Australian yeah, yeah, guy. yeah, 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 yeah. You know he's like really famous. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> he's like super famous, except yeah. in the United States. Do you have you Have you kept in touch with him? I did. I saw him, and it was so awkward. Like so, because the last time I saw you was. 10 years ago probably in no. South Africa no in person I think like, I don't think we've that like 10 years ago yeah 2007 that was such a fucking crazy trip yeah I know that was uh, that was like one of the best gigs I've I keep in done. touch with Andre Andre uh, Vincent Andre. oh Andre Vincent yeah, yeah we're I friends on Facebook yeah. I keep in touch with him to, like uh, chat on Facebook and I'm, I've run into his brother a bunch oh really yeah his brother's a big comedy manager his brother's uh, I, I, this, I might be wrong about this but you know Jim Jeffries was supposed to go on that trip with us right right I and Jim, that. his brother uh, was managing Jim Jeffries at the time and his brother is arguably one of the reasons that Jim Jeffries broke so big so quickly over here because his brother grabbed that 
comedy store tape where Jim got beat up at the comedy store oh, yeah, yeah. and posted it on MySpace. Really? And it went viral as fuck. And then Opie and Anthony saw it. Jim came over. By the way, this is my um, revisionist history of how Jim Jeffries got famous. <laughs> this may be inaccurate, right. but this is how I remember it. Right. Is, uh, is, and then he went on, did Opie and Anthony and because of that video and he was great on Opie and Anthony. Mm-hmm. I think that was part of the reason that he went so big because he just destroyed on Opie and Anthony. Yeah. He was so fucking transparent. Like, he shared every aspect of his life. Right, right. I loved it. I loved listening to him back then. He came in one morning on Ecstasy, mm-hmm. and uh, and they were just like, they didn't know what to do with him. Right. I love that. I love that. That probably would have been a disaster, the two of you together in South Africa in 2007. Probably. <laughs> I, I drank every single night. Not that that was a huge... Uh, departure from my behavior <laughs> but I drank every single night and smoked a Cuban cigar yeah in that fucking bar that bar was so fucking fun right right at the at the hotel yeah 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 I know it's just we just had a run of the whole place yeah you were uh, you were hooking up with that chick <laughs> do you remember that <laughs> yeah there, yeah <laughs> I love how you're brand friendly, even until reminded, remembering the story. Yeah, that was. <laughs> oh boy. So, so wait, where did you uh, where did you start doing stand up? I started in Milwaukee. Yeah, in the mid '90s. Yeah. Who in the mid '90s? Yeah. Wait, how old are you? I'm 46. No, you have. Are you serious? <laughs> I use clean moisturize, clean living, and a clean living. Yeah. Do you drink at all? I do drink. Yeah, yeah a little bit from Milwaukee. Yeah, you gotta yeah. drink. Um, yeah, you, I started in the mid '90s with uh, Frank Caliendo. No way. Yeah, yeah. Frank and I uh, used to. There's like six comics in Milwaukee. There's like six guys trying to do stand up in Milwaukee. Really? And uh, like another guy, Dan Harmon, was also there. Dan uh, Harmon's the guy from uh, Community. And, yeah. And Rob Schraub, who's directing the Lego Movie. So all these guys, it was a very talented group. But there's like. There's there wasn't that many of us trying to do comedy and and Dan and Rob were doing improv and I was I was doing improv like Dan was my teacher at one point. Are you serious? Improv, yeah. Do you keep up with them? I mean, we're. I mean, I've seen them maybe three or four times. <laughs> I don't think anyone. You're never friends with Dan Harmon. Really? It's. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I just never. I've from the time like. I, like one one time when this was like in the mid '90s, so I used to run this room called the Safe House in Milwaukee. It's like this spy motif sort of place, and uh, he came down and he did a set, and he would just like make fun of stand up. And then like the next day, I saw him at Comedy Sports, which is like where the improv group was, and I said, "Hey, you want to come down and and do a set again?" He's like, "No." And that was it. That was the end of our conversation. I was like, and he's like, all right, I guess I just walk away now. And that was it. So is that he was older than us. No, he's younger. He's like, uh, f- probably 42 or something like that. Really? Yeah. He looks old. <laughs> he does look he old. He looks old as shit. <laughs> right. I saw, uh, are you serious? He's 42? He's 42, There's no 42. fucking way he's 42. Yeah, yeah, he's 42, 43, yeah. God. I saw, I watched, <laughs> no offense, Dan Harmon, but I saw him. I used to watch him on his elliptical. He... <laughs> He'd do a he'd do a like, podcast. He'd think. do a, a periscope from his elliptical, <laughs> and it was just him working out on his elliptical. Oh yeah, and I was like, he's got to be late fifties, right? <laughs> no, I have like videos of us doing improv, and he's like really? skinny. And, was he good? Oh, he was great. Really, I mean, that was like the reason why. Like when I started comedy in '95, I didn't know what 
comedy was. I didn't know anything. And there wasn't a lot of spots to check it out. So I went down to comedy sports and he was in this group called the Dead Alewives. And I watched them do improv and I was just like, I'd never laughed harder at anything in my life really? watching those guys do improv because it was just like free form and just everything. They, they didn't hold back. And, and that's what inspired me to like, oh my God, this is what, cause I couldn't figure out what standup was. Like I'd watch Seinfeld or whatever. And I was like, I don't think that's funny. But then I watched the dead alewives. I'm like, oh my God, like that's what I want to do on stage is create that spontaneity and be silly and ridiculous. And, and then, and then I saw Steve Martin and that was like, so I never knew anything about comedy until I started doing comedy. What were your, were your parents, were you many, a lot of kids in your family? No, just me and my brother. My, my parents didn't get married until, uh, they were in 40 and my mom had me when she was 48. So, Whoa. so are, they, are they still around? <laughs> no, my mom passed, uh, two years ago and my my dad's still around my dad's gonna be 92 holy shit yeah what's that like having a parent in their 90s uh i mean my dad is so with it my dad fought in world war ii he's like uh still volunteers for saint vincent de paul like he's just like oh my god i'm like he's my hero like i mean him and my mom you know like they're just like they sacrificed everything for us you know and like uh He's totally with it. He's he does really? wee bowling. He's like, you know, wee bowling. Yeah, like the uh, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. He does all that stuff. He still tries to exercise a few times a week. And it was now what? What did he do for a living? Uh, he was like a, an accountant in that city hall. Like he he did nothing up until he got married. He was on strike for the newspaper. Like that was his job. And then my mom was like, they started dating when they were both like in their late thirties, and they were just like, hey, let's. You should get a job. You should get a, like a real job. So he went and got his associate's degree, and then uh, and then found a job at City Hall, and then eventually worked his way up to the be accountant and did that till he retired. And he, did he ever tell you about World War Two? No, never talked about it. Never, never, like my dad never complained about anything. Like you know, he was never like one of these guys that said, I worked too hard for you to be, he just did, he just put his head down and just did the work. And that's like always like, so I, I can never complain about comedy or anything. Cause it's just like, I just watch him and it's just like, he never complained. He never laid a guilt trip on me, never like doing comedy, like never said, don't do this. Like, just, yeah, what is it like when you decided you wanted to do comedy? Do you, were you nervous to tell him? Cause you're like, Oh, here's a guy who fucking was in a foxhole. <laughs> right. And, but no, I mean, I, I think my mom was more like, well, you're going to eventually do be a social worker and get your master's degree and do that. My dad was just, my dad, I think he wanted me to do that, but he never like said Wanted you to be a social worker? I wanted to a secure line of work. Cause yeah. I think they're, I think everyone, I, everyone's yeah. dad wants him to, my dad would love if I put a tie <laughs> on every day. Right. He'd love, if I, he'd be happy if I just put on a suit every day. My dad would be like, like, that's what I'm talking about. Right. At least, like, he looks at, like, Seinfeld and goes, now that makes sense. You know? He looks at, like... You taking your shirt off every day on stage. Yeah, he, Gary Goldman makes sense to him, because Gary puts on a nice, uh, right. nice button down, looks good, he's in good right. shape, his jokes are clean. His, Maybe you could get, like, a button-down shirtless shirt. <laughs> just get buttons tattooed on my chest. <laughs> my dad looks at my career and just goes, I don't get it. I don't right, get right. it. And then he, like, he just... My dad's dad was in World War Two mm -hmm. and passed away. I never met him, but uh, apparently, the shit they saw was 
Right. Next fun. Did you ever, you never asked him? I about do it? ask him about it. He just, he was like, you know, artillery guy. Like, I think he was like one of those loading the grenades and, and then they'd shoot them all. That's how much I know about weaponry. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, he never talked about it. You know, I think it's just, you know, I think just that generation is just like, yeah, that's what we did. We don't talk about our accomplishments or like, you know, I, I, I organized to have my dad throw out the first pitch at a Brewers game in Milwaukee and, and like, he was like, well, why are you, why are you doing this? <laughs> I'm just like, just cause I, I want people to admire you. Like you're such, you're a hero. Like, you know, and he's just like, all right, I guess. So we, I best, I better work on my throwing motion and stuff. So really? yeah. So he just doesn't want that recognition. And like, that's all I want for him is like to get recognized for like what a great guy he is, you know? So, so that's like, I live my life to get him attention. <laughs> that's fucking fascinating. Yeah, yeah. That's so cool that you feel that way about your dad. I mean, I feel that way about my dad too. Wink, wink. But <laughs> no, my dad, my dad and I, our relationship is, uh, it's always been, it's good, but it's always a tad bit. I think just, he just, I, I, he has a hard time getting my, my personality. Right. And he lost his dad in early age. And I think he has a fear of getting close to me for fears that I die. He doesn't, you know? Right, right. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, my dad is a little close. Like, it's always awkward doing the hug at the airport when we're leaving. Like, he doesn't yeah. know how to hug a man. Like, it's just, it's like that scene in... Sadly, like, I'm so good at hugging men. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I am really it's good at hugging. Much. I hug... All, I hug everybody. Right. I say I love you to people. Like yeah. I said, I said I love you to Joey Diaz the other day on the phone. Right. And Joey's like, I love you too, cocksucker. <laughs> I know. I know. I'll say to my dad, like, I, I love you, and he's like, Okay. Uh, my dad does the same thing. Sometimes he says I love you to me, but sometimes I'll catch him off guard, or he'll be around people and I'll go, Okay. <laughs> Right. So it's a, yeah. Me and my brother had that problem too. Is like saying like, oh, I love you, you know? So it's how old it, your brother. He's, uh, he's going to be, he is 50. He's 50 now. Oh, well, what's he do? He's like works for, uh, he's going to start working for probably Deloitte Touche, but he worked for Anderson consulting, like these big is. consulting firms, like fortune 500 companies. And he designs like the computer systems for them, how they input data and wow. very smart. Married kids. Yeah. Well, it's <laughs> maybe may ending. Uh, <laughs> I've said too much, um, but yeah, he, he is married currently and with kids. So with yeah. that, with that, like kind of was, is it, I, I, I'm always curious Did like when it comes to guys who do clean comedy, like, did you, is that just part of like, would it creep you out to be like, so I came all over this chick's face. <laughs> yes, would, it would, would just make out. your skin crawl to say that Not on stage. skin crawl. I, I just, uh, uh, I just, I guess like, uh, like people talk about speaking their truth. It's like, that's not really my truth. Your truth is more uh, coming near a girl's face. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I think it's, um, I was raised Catholic. Like I grew up Catholic. I went to Catholic school my entire life, all the way through college. Um, I volunteered in Mexico for, after I graduated for, I did like missionary work and, and not that that 
I mean, I, there was definitely a lot of Catholic guilt. My mom definitely instilled that in me growing up. So yeah, there was me too. Me too, by yeah. the way. And I, it took me a long time. Like I didn't start doing stand up full time. I was almost thirty. I didn't move. That's when I moved to L.A. So like I was very, felt very guilty doing stand up because it felt very selfish, and I made it as selfish. Uh, but I also didn't look at the aspect of making other people happy, and I just felt like, oh, this is a selfish pursuit. I need to continue to do social work and do that sort of thing in order to counterbalance the selfishness. So it took a long time to get over that guilt of, of being a stand-up comic and like sort of feeling like I was letting my mom down. That really? night, again, not my dad, but my mom was very late on the guilt. Yeah. Yeah. She just wanted... She. Yeah, They. that is a... That generation... Is, yeah. That generation. Like my dad's generation kind of gets it a little bit. My right. dad's 70. It's almost turning 70. Right. But I think it's for my mom. It's also like, well, you didn't get married till you were in your 40s. Like that was yeah. unheard of for that generation to be like to get married that late. So it's like you took you a long time to figure out what you wanted to. So and I think clearly she struggled with that. She went from wanting to be like a journalist, being a teacher to being doing journalism to doing uh um, and she ended up being a social worker, but I think really she did want to be a comedian because she was always like very love telling stories and she'd repeat these stories at different parties and stuff. So I think that was sort of what I got from her was that, that wanting to be sort of in the spotlight and being funny. And my dad sort of had this sort of like, you know, would sneak in a joke here and there, but it was very subdued. So I think like that was that combination of, of things. Like they, I think they both liked, I think my dad was sort of, he was a drinker back in like in his younger days. Yeah. And it was sort of like, I remember one time he dressed up as tiny Tim. Like I saw this old like video, uh, you know, one of those little the real, guy from, real. Car from Carson. Yeah. Like tiptoe through the tulips. That yeah. guy. And he dressed up. And I was like, who is that? I was like, that's your dad. I was like, what? Like, he's never been silly. Like he's wearing a, a wig and like yeah. playing a little ukulele and I was like where's that dad like <laughs> I never saw that in my whole life yeah and uh so so it's like I think it was in me but it was just like I never saw it from them you know I never saw it from my dad but I think so I think there is like a part of him that like likes it like he'll go to like if I do a show at like I did a show at this theater in in Milwaukee and I think it's like wow like there's a thousand people here watching my son do stand up, and I would like point him out to the audience and have people give him a, you know, applaud him, you know. Like, so I think there is part of him that sort of does like, like both of them, they both like those moments of like, oh, we're the center of attention. Like, yeah. this is kind of cool. So, so yeah, that's, uh, that's why, like, when I got to be on, I was on Conan in 2015. My mom passed in and I, September 2015. I was on Conan, and then my mom passed in January 2016. And because uh, of Conan, that's what I'm saying. Uh, no, but, but I think that was sort of, like, one of my things. It was, like, I wanted to, like, that was sort of always my goal. And my mom liked Conan because he's a you know, good Catholic kid from Boston. So, yeah. uh, so I think she got to see that, and that was always, like, sort of a cool thing before did, ever, she did you tell conan that uh i wrote up a blog and the, the booker said oh yeah i'll pass along your blog i don't know if you ever saw it or not but uh but you know it really meant a lot to me like conan's always been my guy because i i struggled you know and i still struggle like getting any that's why i produced this special myself because i wasn't getting any help from 
you know, the industry or whatever. And I always yeah. think like with Conan, like the, the raw deal he got and when he started out, how like NBC executives hated him. They didn't want him in there and only Lauren Michaels was the only one who pushed for him. So it's like that's I sort of just like the way he just pushed through that and didn't let any of that negativity affect him and it's created this great career for himself. It's you know? so funny because I always it's I feel like what's the fucking what's the right mix? Like, hang on. Let's call the hottie shit. Um, like, cause I go, I'm too dirty for the industry. Like, I'm never going. I'm not saying I'm never, but like, I can't. I, I don't see like the people at Montreal being like, yeah, we need Bert to showcase for this, mm-hmm. or we need Bert to be the this. Because I'm just, I'm dirt. Like, I'm, I'm not even dirty. Maybe yeah. I'm, I'm not even dirty at all. Really, I'm a little dirty, but like, I feel like there is this. Like you are what I would imagine every fucking late night show wants to have on. Uh, uh, yeah, I haven't experienced that. It's been a real struggle. Like, I, like Eddie Brill never liked me. He's like, "Yeah, hey, you're a good writer. You're not a very good performer." And I was like, "I'm like, <laughs> like yeah, such a was, yeah, Eddie, punch to the gut." Eddie was very wrong about that. Yeah, his insights were his insights. I think if I, I don't, I haven't spoken to Eddie um, since. Um, uh, since he got let go, mm-hmm. I think I, I texted him or chatted with him one time on th- on line. Right, but um, I think he was trying to represent what he felt Dave would like. Right, I think I don't know. I don't, I don't think you know what Dave likes. Like Dave does, yeah. you wouldn't look at Mitch Hedberg and be like, oh yeah, it's a perfect Letterman comic. You'd be like, he likes quirky, he likes weird, he likes Midwestern. Yeah, you'd never. Yeah, I would think Dave would have loved you. Yeah, I, I think so too. It's just, and it's just one of those things. Like it's also where you showcase. Like I remember I showcased like at the Santa Monica Playhouse in front of like thirty people. You know, it's like it's not like the ideal place to be like auditioning or I like I did Zanies in Chicago on like a Sunday in front of 25 people not to make excuses but it's also like there's a certain energy you feed off of with that and for like like, it was like with last comics you ever do last comic standing I auditioned a couple times yeah I only yeah only moved on once yeah when I did the audition it was me and uh there was no one in the room. Right. I was like, it's how just that sp- camera yeah. whirring past How am him? I supposed to do stand-up? Like, this isn't... Stand-up can't be done in a vacuum. Right. You need an audience's reaction to get you into it. To, and especially if you're a comic like myself who doesn't... I don't have, like, a set list, per se. Right. Like, I'm not... I'm, it's not very scripted. Although it is scripted. Like, if you see it a couple times back-to-back, you'll be like, oh, yeah, I see what he's doing there. <laughs> right. Well, I, I remember when I auditioned for the... Uh, <laughs> oh, shit, he wrote that? <laughs> That's planned. Ooh, I thought that, here comes the <laughs> shirt. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. I remember auditioning the two, two people from the office were the judges and they said, I'm afraid it's going to be a no for this round. And then I was like, Oh, how about the next round? <laughs> Just to see if yeah. they'd say yes. And they're like, they were kind of dumbfounded. They're like, please leave. <sighs> yeah. Who are the, who are the people? Oscar, the guy who played Oscar on the oh, office could- and Angela. Uh, oh yeah, okay. Kinsey, because they're fucking right. Because right. they have any right. That's fucking arrogance on NBC's part, right? To put them that they should have turned it down out of fucking integrity, right? And said, I know I need the paycheck. I know I need the extra money. I know this, right. is, a, this is a short-lived show, but I don't know anything about comedy. Right. I have no right. 
Well, that's why I felt good the one time I did move on was when it was Geraldo, uh, Natasha Legero, and Andy Kindler, and then they all passed me on to the next round. So that like felt like the most legitimate, you know, like, oh, these guys like me. Like, What's Oscar doing that. now? I wonder what he's doing now. <laughs> yeah. Is he really? Yeah, he's doing stuff. I don't know. Hey, he's like, he's like, hey, man, don't kill the messenger. They told us who was moving on. That's the other thing that was crazy about that. Oh, yeah. It's how rigged it was. Right. It Drew had Carey, nothing to do. Had nothing Drew to Carey do. walked out when, like, I think Dan Natterman didn't move on. He's just like, I'm out of here. Like, this isn't even, this is just you guys deciding stuff. It's the, it's them saying we need this uh, this look of a guy, this look of a guy, this look of a guy. We need a girl. We need a black dude. We need, a, we need a, like, a gay, some something that's gay. <laughs> something that's gay. I'm sure they said that. It's You know? <laughs> It's so crazy with the way that this culture, cultural movement of sexual harassment and sexual inappro- inappropriateness is going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the first place you should find it is Hollywood because oh, yeah. Hollywood is. Re- I I remember being in a, a meeting at Travel Channel. I won't say who or what said. I've I've heard this so many fucking. I'll tell you two different stories. Number one, I'm in a meeting at Travel Channel, and we're trying to find a couple to go to, I think, to Las Vegas or whatever. And uh, there was a, a bunch of really great couples, and then there was a Asian couple, and the Asian couple was horrible, mm-hmm. uh, really bad, really no personality whatsoever, um, didn't froze up in front of the camera. And I said, well, it's definitely not them. And they said, well, they're Asian. And I said, well, you know, but like, I wouldn't just go with Asian because they're, I wouldn't go for Asian for Asian's sake. Like, right. and they're like, well, we need diversity. And I was like, no, I understand that. But I think the best couple, like the most energetic, fun couple to take would be the best fit. And they're like, no, nah, not really. Asian would be better, better than that. <laughs> and I was like, we have it. Are you telling me you think America is going to turn it on and go, God, there's the Asians I've been looking for, and then stick around? And they're like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They're Asian. We should take them. Right. And I was like, hold on. That's actually, that's, that is racism. What you're doing is racism. And they're like, doesn't matter. Asians are better than whites. Right. We need Asians. And I was like, whoa. Uh, and then I can't tell you the other one because I just realized if I tell it to you, the person if that person hears it, they'll be able to know exactly what it is. Uh, so I can't say the other one, but it had to do with Asians as well. And it had to do with them not booking an Asian. Right. And, and why they wouldn't book an Asian on something. Hmm. And their theory was, if we do that, then the white man will look weak. Jeez. Because he settled for an Asian. We need to give him a white wife. And I went... <laughs> I was wow. sat there like, what the fuck? But that, but that's the people that run Hollywood make decisions so that the people at home who are, that you have to, in a weird way, you know, and they right or wrong, you have to make a decision based on what people really feel. Right. Like you can't just, you know. Yeah. Well, I think, I think I see that too, a stand up where it's certain comics sort of bypass the stuff that everyone else has to go through like i've heard stories of like this guy who you know he had i mean i was dave becky is his manager and he got to he told comedy central hey watch my guy give him an hour special and like well we need to see him so they go they go up they watch him do an hour he couldn't pull off an hour like all right next year we'll give him a half an hour and then if that goes well, then we'll give him an hour. It's just like, what? Like, this guy's like a couple years into comedy and he just gets that. And the rest of us are How like, did he get Dave Becky, though? Did he write a it, script or something? 
good looking guy good looking guy yeah can you text me his name so i can look see who this guy is <laughs> yeah now, probably, I, want to, now I want to start hating him <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'll text you his name. <laughs> right now, you want me to? I yeah, write, yeah, I'll write yeah, it down. Yeah, write, write it down it, on yeah. a piece of paper so I know who it is. I know, I know. You're like, <laughs> <laughs> People are going to be like trying to zoom in on that. You can't see it. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, yeah. I feel like that. It's frustrating. It's, it's frustrating to go through like you making a tape for a half hour special and, you know, doing six shows and like trying to push yourself, you know, because it's like sometimes it's hard to do a half an hour at a club because you've got distractions of drunk people and you're trying to get this half an hour and then you send it to them and it's like, ah, it's just not ready or whatever. It wasn't shot well or the sound, was, you know, whatever it is. And then somebody else just getting, yeah, we'll give you a half an hour. Like the hour wasn't great, but here's a half an hour anyways. Yeah. And it's just like, it doesn't, that's, that's frustrating. And I, but I mean, that's the entertainment business you think it's fair i think there's no reason for us to bite our tongues but one of the frustrating things and i think females in comedy uh are the the rap is females aren't funny i think that's i hate that i think it's completely inaccurate some of the funniest people i know are women right it's it it is shared equally in my opinion i don't know i don't have i don't hang out with female comics that i don't know a lot of women that aren't funny I, would, right. I wouldn't speak to a woman who if it wasn't funny. I, I mean, I mean, if I yeah. take that back, I definitely would. Definitely, there's a lot of women I would. Please don't yeah, talk yeah. to me. But um, yeah. but one of the things that does happen in cases like Eliza or Amy is that there is such a hole in this in 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 the market for a woman. Like their needs, they they need women so much that. Uh, Eliza and Amy, I'll use some examples because I know them and I'm not shitting on them, but they get moved up the ch- chain really fast. Mm-hmm. Eliza was headlining, you know, she won last she won standing. like a couple years into doing stand-up, Two right? years into doing stand-up wow. and, and then was headlining. Right. And now, now, I think Eliza would have to admit she's not the greatest comic of our generation. I'm not the greatest comic of our generation. She's not. Uh, it's it's really hard to be the greatest comic of a generation. Like a Chappelle, even Chappelle wasn't headlining two years in. Right. So it's but there is a hole. There is an empty need. A need. Uh, Ari was telling me when he did this storytelling show, Comedy Central was like, no more white guys, no more white guys. Now listen, white guys have it pretty easy. In most cases. Right. But they're like, we need chicks. And so he would take women that were not funny and get them on the show and then often have to help them with their story because they needed a woman. Mm-hmm. So you'd take someone who was less qualified and fill the position because of di- the, the need for diversity. Right. I think that's good because if you don't do that, then it's just all white dudes. You know, I don't really have a fucking, I don't really have a, a, a dog in the fight. Cause I just do my own thing. Right. I think I, I don't, I'm not trying to fuck any of these chicks. Cause I'm married and I don't think anyone can, and I'm not going to lose a job to yeah. a woman in, in that, in that I'm not going after the same job as a woman. So I don't right. like, I don't understand the, the, I've never thought about it. Like I've never thought I just, I mean, this sounds, but I mean, I've just looked at people as either funny or, or not funny. Yeah. I think Eliza is like, very fucking yeah, funny, but I never thought of like putting a gender on, 
Like I, it, I didn't even hear about the, you know, living in Milwaukee, it's such a vacuum. We just were like, Oh, it's another comic. Like I'm glad, like I was running an open mic. I was happy. Anyone showed up because yeah. there were so few comics that would go up at the place I ran. So, uh, I just, and you know, then when I moved out here and then like Adam Carolla talking about women aren't funny and it's like, what? Like the, well, I think what, I think what he's experiencing is, I mean, I guess this is it is that when you need a, a position filled and they force you to take a woman that you don't that you don't find funny because she's a woman then i guess his his adage is true for him because I, I think he's talking about the man show and that you, there was a quota of women that had to be hired and i don't think they they had probably the passion of hiring women the way they did getting their friends jobs right you know what i mean like like if i have a tv show and i have to hire First, I mean, I can already tell you, I, the, two of the people I'd immediately want to hire are women. I already know one one I'm, I'm trying to reach out. I Well, here, I'll say that I wrote a sketch for the man show. I, I submitted a packet, and they, I, I, so I, I um, submitted a packet, didn't hear anything, and I'm in Chicago working, and I'm working with this girl, and she said, uh, I asked her if she auditioned for anything. She said, oh, I auditioned for this thing for the man show, and she told me what the sketch was. It was called Blow Darts. I was like, oh, my God, I wrote that. Nobody contacted me from the man show, so I had to go to my manager, and he, he had to contact them. They said, oh, yeah, yeah, we were going to contact him once it aired. And it's, and it's just what? like, why don't you hire me to do this job? Like, that's been the frustrating thing for me is like, I'm not like a pushy person, but it's also like, I wrote this sketch and it's funny and like, and so why aren't you contacting me? And no, I, like, whoever. they did pay me like $500 for it, but it's like, you know, I never heard anything down the road and they're like, oh, very funny stuff. Keep in touch. You know, I'd be, so, I'd be curious to find out who the thief was in that. Yeah, well, I think, you know, I mean, Daniel Kellison was the producer and, and Jimmy was the producer as well. So it's like, I think they just altered, you know, the only thing they changed was I had the guy throwing the game on a, like a football field. And this this was the throwing the game at a poker game. But everything else, like line for line, it was the same sketch. And it was just frustrating to like, you know, to just get passed over and just never hear anything from anybody like hey maybe we should hire this guy yeah but that was you know that was like 10 years ago or whenever the, do you feel like do you feel like you get cornered as the nice guy and the pushover yeah yeah i probably do i probably don't uh I, that's why like you know i with this special like my special is called outraged which is basically to sum up like how everyone feels everyone's outraged by everything so i think that's part of the thing is like outraged is sort of how i feel is <laughs> like that's why i put the special out because it's like i want i i can't get anyone to you know like i would send it out to all these companies to look at and you know you have vimeo you can tell who viewed it and it'd be literally zero views on it so it's like i know you didn't even look at it and it took two weeks for you to get back to me to tell me you don't want it you know and it's like so i just was like i'll just release it myself on itunes and amazon and and that's been you know so that's what i'm doing i'm just doing this all myself and i think that's that's what i've learned in in all this is like it's really just up to you it's like you can't you know, spending your time trying to get trying to get CAA or somebody else to to pay attention to you isn't. It's a waste of energy. It's dude, like, dude, I this is this is you're preaching my mantra right now. Yeah, a year ago, almost a year ago today, but a year ago, 
Um, I was probably, I've, and anyone listening's probably already heard this. It's probably at the lowest point in my career. I was just, I was out of Travel Channel per their request, and uh, and I wasn't selling tickets. I wasn't. I, I was just like, and I felt like I felt lost in the business. I felt like I, I remember. We were going to do a tour for Funny or Die. I got an offer to do the tour for Funny or Die. And I was super, super excited. And then I found out that I was making such little money compared to everyone else Mm -hmm. that it was actually, I felt like it fucked with my ego. Like it was like an insult. Right. It was like a genuine insult. And I was like, but like all my managers and agents are like, it's a good tour. That Funny or Die tour, the whatever it's called, it's canceled now. They don't do it anymore. Right. Um, but they're like, it's a good, it's a good opportunity. Get out there, show them what you can do. Just, it's about being humble and going. And that's my dad's more work ethic. Right, is humility first. My dad's big thing was eat shit, cash checks. <laughs> that's my dad's my dad's mantra was right. eat shit, cash checks. So then, I go back to Tampa in middle of December, and uh, and I'm talking about Travel Channel and. I think maybe it was a little bit before then, but I'm talking about Travel Channel. I'm talking about maybe I'll just take this other show for Game Show Network. Maybe I'll just, you know, it's because I got a family. I got a, and and my dad, and I tell him, I said, you know, it's eat shit, cash checks. My dad starts crying, like sobbing. And I'm like, what? And he's like, I fucked you up. I fucked you up. He was like, I I eat shit, cash checks. That's me. (laughs) And he was like, you have talent. You should follow your talent. And so I got, I got into like, Focusing on my podcast, I was like, "Fuck everything." Focus on my podcast and whatever I am interested in. Like that's what I'll make, and I'll make stuff and put it out there, dude. In a year, I've increased all my social media by probably, a, probably like a million. Oh my god! Across the board, probably two million. I've cr- increased all my social media. My Instagram. I increased it by 250,000. My, I don't really track how many followers I have on Twitter. Uh, Facebook by over a, oh, about a million. Wow. Uh, my YouTube subscribers by probably like 200,000 or 100,000. I had like 10,000 YouTube subscribers last year this time. Holy man. And so I was like, but it's not, but I'm not like a YouTube star. I'm not like a, I'm just making stuff I find funny. Like that's right. it. And I go, and this last, this special I'm doing now, I'm shooting it. In I, I got to stop saying this, but I'm shooting it in February at, at the truck. That's my plan. But I n- need a buyer to shoot it at the truck. I need like a buyer to shoot it at the truck. The truck is at Atlantic City. Truck there? It? No, it's uh, it's in Philly. Oh, okay. And uh, and so and so I'm like, I need a buyer. But I feel like you feel right now where I go. I go, how, how, just out of curiosity, how come everyone else gets offers so quickly? Right. How come everyone else gets like? Offers and then and then the, then they pay them you know two hundred fifty thousand dollars to shoot their special. Right. I, like I remember someone saying, I mean I don't, I can't pass up the money they're gonna pay me for the special. And I was like, you get paid for specials? I've been I've done specials where I didn't even get paid. Right. Like are you are you to get money? Like and so I always feel like I'm on the outside. I always feel like I don't. I and I don't know if I want to be on the inside. Yeah. You it know? makes you work harder, yeah, and put out a better product. You're not, you don't get lazy with it. I was on the inside when I first started in this business, and I remember calling Barry Katz, going, "I need another deal to be that." To just, I, I think the reason my career took so slow to get going was I was on the inside when I started, and I felt like you should just get me something. I just mm-hmm. got to wait for it. 
Right. And I didn't make it myself. And then at fucking 43 or 44, <laughs> when I decided to start making things myself, right. I started with the vlog. I started making a vlog and I was just like, they're fun to do. I started with the focusing on the podcast. As soon as I started making stuff myself, everything started coming to me. So I just wrote a script. Uh, I wrote, I'm in the middle of another one, but I wrote a script for a sitcom I want to do. I was like, I sent it to my managers and agents and they, I mean, I know they're listening to this and, uh, and they didn't technically get back to me at all. Uh, which is a little shocking considering I have a deal in place. Right. You guys know that I'm talking to explicit. I mean, I'd expect Reggie to call me like that day. I'd expect you to read it that day, Right. but they didn't, but they have a lot of stuff on their plates. And then last night I was just like, I was like, fuck it. I'll make it myself. I have money. I'll make it. Right. I'll make it. I'll make it. I'll make it. And I'll put it online. If people like it, then I'll maybe I'll go. Hey guys, here's a pilot. I'm right. not making a pilot for the networks. I'm making a pilot for the people. Right. Here's my offer. Take a look at this pilot. If you like it, I will release it once a week for every day of the year for on like through a paywall. Right. And it's five bucks for the whole fucking year. Right. And then just go. That's my that's my offer. You know, or like, or, I'm not, I, I realize I'd just be hemorrhaging money if I did it that way. <laughs> but, but like, why right. not? Why not make product, put product out, and let your fans enjoy it? Yeah, well, that's like I've been promoting my special, and and it's tough, you know. And like, I spent you know whatever two and a half weeks like promoting it, very minimal like people going to the iTunes and clicking on it, pre-ordering. And then I did this show in Utah this weekend. And I, at the end of my set, I just sort of said, you know, I'm making this myself. I need your guys help, you know, please, you know, check it out, you know? And, and it like, it literally like tripled the amount of people that were going to it. Not that I was getting like a ton of views, but it, it did make all the difference because that's the people that matter. And that's what Hollywood doesn't realize is they sort of like, they treat everyone else as these flyover States that don't matter. And they're neglecting like, like that's why I see. So I think went under because it was just like, well, this the Midwest is a demographic. Those are people that, you know, they, they want, you know, like I wrote a spec as well. If his agents are listening, if you don't like Bert's stuff, my stuff, very accessible. Um, anyways, uh, but yeah, I wrote a pilot about a brewery in, in Milwaukee and it's like, that's, and there's nothing out there now. That's like, just like blue collar. It's all like, you know, rich white people having problems. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, that doesn't like I get it like that's what the writer's experiences are but it's like there's also people that have different points of view you know like I, I, so I don't know it's like they don't they don't understand that and that's sort of why there's this huge divide in America because it's like we're just we're just one side or the other there's no like middle ground there's no <laughs> there's no getting along there's no there is none of that and I, and I feel like you know all my f friends that are writers in Hollywood all they do is rage about Trump all day long on right. on Twitter to the point where like I had to like mute a couple of my friends because I was like I get it I understand it I agree with you right. but you got other interests right you got a right. hobby or something it's also do something about it like my parents you know that's what I learned like being a social worker it's like I did something like I I ran a mentoring program on the south side of Milwaukee I lived in Juarez and I worked with gang members like I reached out to the community I'm you know you can't just you can't just complain about it like well it's all over now Tax plan is done. We're all done. You know, it's like, well, it's like, first of all, it has to go through the house. You know, I don't know what it says. All the 
even on the Democratic side, well, I haven't read it yet. It's like, well, I don't know. Tell me what it says so I know what's happening as opposed to like, oh, it's impossible to read this 500 page. Like, I get it. It probably is a shitty tax plan. But I also like to know, well, what's in it? What can we lay it out for the American people as opposed to like, well, I don't know what to do. It's written in the. I mean, it is a shitty plan. The fact that they just wrote stuff in the margin like it was a, a shitty high school essay. I wish I knew what you were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but there's gonna you're gonna be affected greatly by this tax good or bad bad because uh, it's like it affects the independent contractors like they want to I, I don't even know if this is 100 percent true but they say that we'll, we won't be able to do as many write-offs and stuff like that for our business on it for I mean, you're probably a corporation an individual yeah. corporation but like for for me i guess it's like it's harder to get these write-offs for like mileage and stuff like that so oh, yeah. i don't know but but again i'm just basing this off of a hundred angry tweets I read as opposed to like somebody who knows what the plan says. So I don't know. I remember this is what's wrong with, uh, with this country. Wow. I can't (laughs) can't believe I'm turning into that. Like I, I, like this is what's wrong with me. Okay. And I think I I make up a lot of the country. Look, a lot of the country that you started talking about the tax plan, there are a lot of listeners going, yeah, I know there's something about a tax thing going on. I, but I don't, like I know I'm either supposed to be angry or or happy. Yeah, it's either gonna make my life great or and I I always figure I, this is simplistic view, but I always figure as a white guy, oh, it can't be hurt me. Right. You know, like it, that's not affecting me. Um, I I I saw a picture with my uncle with Al Sharpton. And I had just assumed Al Sharpton was a fucking idiot my entire life. Right. And I said to um, my uncle, I said you and Al Sharpton? And he was like, he's a fucking really interesting guy. I said, really? And I said, I said, I thought he was, thought he was an idiot. And he was like, how could you be an idiot and be as popular as he is? Right. He's like, he's not an idiot. He's definitely not an idiot. He may not, he may offend you in certain ways integrally, but he's not an idiot. Right. He's like, he's the furthest thing from an idiot. And then you think you're like, yeah, I guess he's, he just is, he's good at branding. Mm-hmm. You know, he's good at like, he's, he's, so I like, but I think a lot of people do that with things and, and like the tax plan and they just go, ah, they see the, the right, and panic, I, I only yeah. thought, I only thought Al Sharpton was an idiot because of fucking Opie and Anthony. Yeah. Cause they thought he was an idiot. So I was <laughs> yeah. like, ah, oh. they don't have one sided views. Opie and Anthony. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like so guys. So what did you, what was the process? I want, by the way, I'm all, I'm now I'm like, I want everyone to go on iTunes and buy your special. Oh, How much please. is it? Seven ninety nine. It's p- fucking perfect yeah it's so enjoyable yeah. and then you do it on amazon too it's going to be on amazon friday yeah so what, how does that happen how does that work so it's pre-order you can pre-order on itunes you can't pre-order on amazon okay and the idea with the pre-orders is the more pre-orders you can get the the higher up it'll be like in the noteworthy section on itunes so it'll pop up on the front page or whatever and then then and then people are like oh what the hell sample is this? it people can sample the parts of it right i i don't know if they can sample but they can also just be like oh it's right next to and Bill this Burr is, or something, you know. This is the video. This uh, is video. Yeah, video. Yeah, yeah. Not, not a CD or not an audio. It's all video. Are you going to release audio at all? I might. I mean, first of all, I just need to get this thing rolling because yeah. I don't want to like have two things I'm sad about. Uh, <laughs> but no, I just want to get it out there. And uh, yeah, I mean, I just did it myself, you know, and I was just like, I'm. I'm 
I'm not going to wait for somebody to come along and ask me to do it. Plus I, I could do it the way I wanted to do it. Like I wanted some of, I wanted to sort of make fun of some of the stand up specials. I see like the fact that it was a low budget special. So like I have, you know, they have like the camera that like swoops across. So I didn't have that. So I had a, I strapped a camera to a kid's head and just had him run across the stage <laughs> and shoot everybody. And like, I, I contacted Drew Carey cause he, he follows me on Twitter for some reason. And I, I said, would you mind introducing me in the special? And like, it's not on the special itself, but he came out and he introduced me and he, and he hung out and, you know, hung around for the whole night and watched it. You can find him in the audience if you look. Um, but you know, that was like, that to me was like a victory for like the common man, <laughs> you know, like yeah, they don't, you, they don't have, we don't have that in stand up anymore. We yeah. don't have the common man. Right. Right. Like, I mean, I, I like, it seems like it's just it's just these uh slickly produced specials and and yeah with with and, and for me it was like i wanted to do like a hundred seat venue like um because i, I didn't that's where I perform normally. I don't perform in ornate theaters. I didn't start yeah. out in a theater. I started out in a club in and where things go wrong and somebody drops a bottle during the special and it's like I acknowledge that or literally at the end of this toward the end this guy walked out cuz he was drunk and he had to use the bathroom and he just walked past me and I make fun of that and I kept it in the special because to me that's what my career has been is just sort of been like that it's not perfect it's yeah. not and that's that's why i'm really proud of the special because it was a one-shot deal there was no two shows it was one show everything that was in it stayed in it you know i mean obviously it gets edited but it's like but it's like it, it i feel like it captures who i am on stage and i didn't like you know uh try to cut around it or anything like that it yeah. was just pure pure clark i uh i i want i did after i did my special I then had a better, the last one, I got a better grasp of what I wanted to do for the next one. So the next one, I kind of thought in my head, I was like, all right, Philly's a big market for me. My family's from Philly. I got a story that's based in Philly, so that'll be a good connective tissue. Mm-hmm. It's a good place to do that story. And then I was like, I was like, yeah, I'm going to do my special at the truck. Like, I want it to be a theater, but I want it to be a, I don't want 1,200 people. Because right. that's disconnected. I want, like, I want, like, 500 people. Right. And and so I did that. And then I got, you know, it gets, I got uh, this thing to do something else. And I was like, I can't do that. Because I, I can't, I can't, I can't, like, I did a CISO taping one time. And I was like, I was like, I don't think anyone in this room's ever been in a comedy club. Right. And, and it was in a warehouse. It was me, Janine Garofalo, Jimmy Dore. And like, it was in a warehouse in Montreal and, uh, they had the, the, everything was a backdrop. It was like a set. They right. built a set to do stand up in the, the room had no, like they just put like 60 chairs in the middle of the room. And, and then, and there was like, there was like a hundred feet on each side of the chairs right. and all around. And then all the chairs were up against this set that had, wasn't even, it was, it was just in the middle of the room, like that table. Like imagine if a comedy club was just this table and I was like, oh, this is a really bad setup. Right. And so I was like, oh, I can't do anything that I don't have a hundred percent control over. Right. Like I don't do anything in my life that I don't have a hundred percent control over anymore because I, I just, I have a really hard time. Everyone knows this cause I've, I did a, a an assessment uh, with this guy 
You should check it out. It's pretty cool. His name is Jair Rodriguez, uh-huh. and he assesses you, and you take a test, and he figures out your personality. But I have a really hard time taking notes. I have a hard time <laughs> uh, doing any what anyone says because, like, I, that's why I can't take a joke from somebody. Yeah. Like, and that's why I also won't steal <laughs> because, like, I mean, when like someone goes, "Oh, I got a tag for you" or whatever, I go, "Yeah, yeah, 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 yeah," and I just blow it off. I go, right. "Sure, I, I didn't write it. I'm not going to do it." Yeah, but. uh you need that though you gotta have somebody people help you out i wish <laughs> i wish i could take i wish i could take i wish i could get help from anybody yeah like i just don't like it it makes me uncomfortable i want to do it myself yeah i want to be autonomous i didn't like the uh i i, I this is gonna sound very ego driven um but like i heard paulie shore one time say uh he did a show for Adam. Sa- he did a movie with a guest set on an uh, Adam Sandler movie, and they were like, "That must have been fun." And, he was, and by the way, if I'm paraphrasing horrifically out of context, I apologize. But I connected with what he said. He said, "Yeah, but I wanted it to be my movie." Like, and I was like, "Yeah, there are certain people who don't mind like being Kramer, mm-hmm. where you know it's not your TV show, but you're funny and you kill it." And then there's people like me where I go, I had to be Jerry and I wouldn't mind being Larry David more than Jerry. Like even Jerry, I feel like now we really witnessed like how, how strong Larry David was as a writer and that that was his show. It wasn't necessarily Seinfeld's show, although, although they were both the same, but Larry David is just so fucking funny that I wanted, I want, I wanted to be the head. I want to be the lead. Yeah. That's a lot of pressure too. I mean, I, I think that's one thing. Seinfeld was smart about was he didn't care about being the lead. He, he let George and Elaine and Kramer. Oh, oh, oh be yeah, the, no, I'm talking about I'm talking about with rules. Like I don't oh. care about I don't like. That's, <laughs> by the way, this is this is diverting into like my narcissism. But like I don't care if I get all the laughs. I just want to make sure I have the best parking spot. <laughs> that I have the biggest green room. Right. That, that when I show up on set and I go, guys, I don't think that works. Everyone goes, well, he is the boss. Right. I want to be the boss. Right. Like that was one thing I liked about like I shifted that on my Travel Channel show. Um, when we were working the first season we did it, I was just a hired hand the first very first season and I just hung out and I really could give two fucks about the show at all. We got picked up for a second season. I was like, eh, whatever. And then and I was like in my head, I was like, I, I don't probably want to do this forever. And I think they saw that the network saw that and this guy Stone who lives out here now. I should hit him up. Um, Stone was like, this needs to be your show. Like, you need to be into this show. You need to care about this show. Right. And I was like, I don't. He was like, well, you have to. Because we're going to do a third season. We're going to buy it now. And this is in the second season. And he goes, it's only going to be good if you care. And I was like, oh. And then I started caring and I became unbearable to work with. Right. Un-fucking-bearable. Like, I don't know what... Uh, I know what sexual harassment looks like. I've never done that, but I've definitely done harassment. Like just being a dick. Yeah. <laughs> just a straight up harassing people. Yeah. I think it's dangerous though. Cause, I mean, you look at like some of Apatow's late, like funny people. Yeah. And it's like, that was too much of the studio laying off and being like, yeah, hey, do whatever you want. You had yeah. 40, 40 year old virgin. You had uh, knocked up. You're F- great. Funny people was with, with Sandler. Yeah. See, I liked funny people. Really? By the way, can I tell you, I liked, um, I don't find, uh, Aziz Ansari super hilarious. Uh-huh. Uh, I find him, I find him, his interviews engaging. Like I find him to be an engaging guy. Like, right. But his Randy character, I was like, dude, I put some of those jokes in my act. 
Like they're not bad jokes. Like I know that you're making fun of comedy, right. but you, I don't think you're doing it right because that. Like I, 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 all I know is I heard one Randy joke and I was doubled over. Well, he did it in one of his specials. He did have it in like he did it like a second part. Like let me introduce Randy, and then like the last ten yeah. minutes is his Randy character. Yeah. No, I mean that is funny. I mean that was good, but. I don't know. Just the whole movie, it just seemed yeah. like two different movies all of a sudden. It was about stand-up, then it's about this guy with cancer, and then he doesn't have cancer, and then he marries this, goes back to his old girlfriend. Just felt like a lot of, a couple different movies happening. Yeah. Like like that he wrote, like, oh, I need something more here, and that, like, network notes might have helped a little bit. I think network notes, I would love for someone to give me notes on this script that I wrote, but I don't uh, see that happening, because I don't know if I'm going to listen to them. Right. Like, I don't know if I'd listen to them. Like, I listened to Leanne, my wife. Uh, I wrote it, and then I gave it to her, and she read it and was like, it's like it's, it's really funny. And I was like, wow, if she says that, then it is really funny. Right. That's how I am with my wife. My wife reads something, and she'll be like, well, this is good, or this this doesn't work. Like, And it's like, and she's very honest. Like, And I think that's probably the best critic of all is somebody you're married to that knows all what you're capable of and what you're... Where did you're you meet just, your wife? We met doing comedy. She's a comedian as well, Stephanie. Really? Yeah. What's her name? Stephanie. Phillips, she goes by Stephanie Clark for stand-up. Really? Yeah. Um, and we met at this little crappy one-nighter thing in Thousand Oaks, and uh, it's called the Lava Lounge, and we just, I made fun of her mom during my show. And, oh, her uh, mom was in the audience? Yeah. yeah. Oh, you just-, <laughs> just, her, just her mom specifically. <laughs> Your mom seems like a bitch, just like you. Um, yeah, we just we just hit it off, and we started dating and married a couple of years later. Really? Yeah. Any plans of kids? Uh, we're still we're sticking to bulldogs right now. They and say then- bulldogs are the dumbest dogs out of all the dogs. <laughs> And I would argue, How dare I would you? argue that bull mastiffs are dumber than bulldogs. <laughs> is that what you got? Yeah, it? I got a bull yeah. mastiff, and that is the dumbest dog. We were saying, I read this somewhere, but this is this quote made me laugh so hard. Um, my buddy's getting a German Shepherd, mm-hmm. and uh, and he's like, they're the smartest dogs. And so I read somewhere, and they're like, yes. Whereas German Shepherds are the smartest dogs, and bulldogs are the dumbest. <gasps> this is what this this thing said. They go that can be problemsome, because for a German Shepherd, if you leave it alone for eight hours, it gets bored and curious and starts doing stuff. Whereas with a bulldog, <laughs> it takes it eight hours for them to realize you've left. <laughs> they go where the fuck? How dare is you? He? I'm very offended right now. So what do you have? You have an uh, English, English bulldog, bulldog yeah, oh. uh, Abigail. And, oh my god, uh, my first dog's name is Abigail. Really? Yeah. yeah. Uh, where did you come up with your name? Uh, for, uh, my wife wanted to call it for John Adams, Abigail Adams. Oh, okay. Uh, the, the wife of the president. Mine was uh, Mitch McDeer, Abigail McDeer. I don't know that. I was a, I'm a big reader, and it was the first <laughs> book I ever read called The Firm. Oh, wow. The, <laughs> the Firm. Really. Starting <laughs> off with some of the classics. <laughs> Treasure Island, <laughs> Tale of Two Cities, <laughs> The Firm. Yeah, and I, it was the first book I read like as an adult, where someone was like, where it wasn't like a class. I never read and read a book at, for school. Right, I never read a book for school. Never like sat and did summer reading. Never read a fucking book. Never read a book for a test. Never read a fucking <laughs> book. Get like Cliff Notes or watch the movie. Never mm-hmm. read a book. And uh, and um. This is the first book. It was like freshman year of college. And someone was like, yo, you should check this book out. And I was like, oh, are you fucking kidding me? And I was like, you, you're telling me that I'm, you want me to sit in my room and read? Right. Like, oh, nah, bro. No. And they were like, dude, it's really good. And I was like, I think I'll pass. It was that summer that it came out. And I've, 
uh, I think no, maybe it was before the summer of my freshman year. But I read the firm, and I was fucking. I was like, I like reading, <laughs> and I was like, oh. And then I got Abigail. Oh really? Yeah. But you seem like somebody would be like, fo- like if you really like something, like you're focused on. So when you wrote the script, was it something where you were able to sit down and like knock out a first draft in a nope. in a couple days? Just no, one day. Yeah, one just day. One day. Yeah, that's just how. It- and wrote it, and I was like, because initially I was just going to write the premise because I was like, I'll just shoot the premise because mm-hmm. the premise is, I think it's a it's a it's a a pilot premise, but you get the idea of the, of the show. Uh, within the first six pages. So mm-hmm. I was like, I'll write the first six pages. And then I was having so much fun, I just banged out the rest. And I was like, and it just came together. I'm, I'm not someone who plans. I don't like, I don't like outlines. Right. So like I, I just started coming together and I liked that. But I, that's why I like storytelling. Right. Like I like to be, like this last week I had this story that I'm telling on this next special. And uh, I was the, the whatever, whatever, there's a line that I didn't know. I I always believe if you plant seeds early in a store, you get to harvest them at the end. Right. So like I try my hardest to fuck around the most I can while telling a story and plant seeds. And then at the end, see which one's grown. Because I, I also write on stage on the fly a lot. Right. I write when I walk around the neighborhood. I write on the treadmill. I, I can't just sit and fucking type or right. scribble. I have to like talk and walk and be active. And on stage I write. So I... This last show I did, one of them, I planted the seeds, and I was like, oh, I think I could harvest that. Oh, that could be the end of the story. Right. But I'm also trying not to make my storytelling too uh, nifty, you know? I don't want it to be like, and that is the end of the story. <laughs> and I think I'm getting close to there with some stories. I'm like, eh. Yeah. But um, how do you write? I, I'm sort of similar. Like, for me, it's... I'm more of short jokes, like, um, but... Like it starts with just sort of like being able to try out the line on stage. So like I, I have a joke now that I just started doing about how my wife and I were up in Wisconsin. We were driving and uh, this deer passed us, ran across our path on the highway. I was like, oh, my God, that could have been terrible. We almost hit that deer would have gone through our windshield and she's like oh why do they bite (laughs) they don't bite like that's 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 the number one concern with deer is that they will they will eat you come into your car begin through the window right and bite you Uh, so that's like and that was just like a real like that's like i i used to do more by the way that would be in my act immediately right right yeah and i was like and i told that story to her and she's like that's so fun like you should do that on stage and like like I've always had trouble like opening up myself to just talking about real life things. Um, like in this special, it's more surreal. It's silly. And like now as I'm trying to develop more material, it's, it's getting a little bit more about me, but still silly and a little ridiculous, but, but yeah. So for me, it's like stuff that happens and then trying to extrapolate on it. I like doing like the things like weird things you can do in public or weird things you can do to people to make them uncomfortable. Uh, like taking, like if you're, if I, like I like to bother people, like if I'm in a coffee shop, I see somebody on their Facebook page. I like to take a picture of the back of their head and then make that my profile picture and then send them a friend request. <laughs> uh, so like, it's like, I like doing, like, I like thinking of those weird things. Like what would be the most socially inappropriate things to yeah. do? And that's sort of like 
that so the, the between those two things real things happening and then just sort of like it's like a christian sociopath yeah there we go christian <laughs> should be a new uh, dating website christian sociopath.com um but yeah so that's that's sort of my writing process like i do jot down the ideas and and my wife and i we do this like sketch stuff we do like our own web series called the clark so it's sort of like those weird little moments that we try to make sort of extrapolate on like we've like she's talked about getting a, a sex doll so we're writing a sketch about her ordering a sex doll and then her losing interest in the sex doll and it just sort of sits in the corner of our house just the sex doll and i eventually like watch football with it and hang out with it <laughs> so so it's like just taking those ideas and just sort of like taking them to a ridiculous place you know like i love curb your enthusiasm you know yeah. like it's like they take things to like the most ridiculous conclusion like what if this happened and if so then what then what so and that's you know i've been doing improv for as long as i've been doing stand-up so that's so i'm sort of the opposite like i like when people throw in their own lines and when when you know, I encourage people like if you, if you got something here, like use it. Like I love if your idea works, like let's roll with it. So I'm never like, I don't want that. Like I, I like when people work together and, and kind of like create a great product. Cause I think then sometimes if you're on set, you feel nervous. Like you're not yourself. Like you feel like, Oh, I got to do it this way that he wants. I can't do that. I think that's why I'm, I, well, it's one of the reasons I want to be in charge of it is that I want to do it the way I want to do it when I want to do it. Yeah. And I don't like, I don't, I like, I remember one time I, I was in a sitcom and, uh, and the line wasn't working and it just was an unnatural line. Right. Um, there used to be a lot of that man in like the <clears throat> early two thousands of like just very typical writing. Right. That's like, what she said. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, wait for it was in every script. <laughs> I wait for it, wait for it. Right. And I was like, I just was so, I, I couldn't get this line out. And Elliot Gould was like, uh, leaned up. He <laughs> I like, like any story that includes Elliot Gould. I got a few, <laughs> I got a few. Uh, and he, he's playing a blind guy. So uh, he's got a dog with him. This was a show. Yeah. He's got a dog with him and he's looking off into space. He doesn't break character. So he leans up to behind me and he goes, uh, ad lib something, make it your own. And so I went, okay. So then we do the line again and I go, uh, I'm supposed to say sure thing. I don't, I don't remember what the line, the answer was yes. Mm -hmm. And I said, is a duck's ass watertight? Get on in here. And it got a huge fucking laugh. Right. It was two in the morning and the showrunner was like, you are fucking me in the fucking ass right now. Jeez. And I was like, oh. Right. And then Elliot still, still doesn't break his character, leans forward as the blind guy. He goes, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, I, I think I think the business is trending more towards uh, you're rewarded if you do it yourself. Yeah, yeah. Like, what is the what? Are, I I mean, I think it's like it's like with with politics. It's like we've just sort of settled that there's this two parties system, and it's like we got to either vote this way or this. Way. And it's like no, you don't have to. Like, eventually, people are going to hopefully wake up and realize like. So the same with comedy. Like we don't have to go to Netflix. We don't have to go to Hulu or whatever. Like you can just do it yourself and just, you know, we have the power as people. There's billions of, you know, there's millions of us that we can reach out to. Like you, you have all the social media following. Like, why would you go through Netflix when it's you that's created 
your little empire, you know? Well, I think but, I can tell you why I'd like to go through Netflix. I think, yeah. I mean, Netflix just has the the uh, gold stamp on stand-up comedy. Sure. The, well, here's, here's what I'm going to say, though, about that, is that, like, I know, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it's, well, I'll just say, this guy I know shot his special. It was a great special. But he told me that the, the venue was half-filled. They didn't have 700 people in it. They had, like, 350 people in it. And they said, we'll shoot around it. He's like, well, why didn't you tell me this? Like, I would have encouraged people to come out and, and fill the venue. Because it's like. Was this for I, Netflix? Yeah, yeah, for Netflix. And he just felt like, you know, it's like, you know, when a venue's half-filled, like, you, you know, they can shoot around it. But you, as a performer, your energy drops. The laughs aren't as big. You see the empty balcony or whatever, and it's like it affects you as a performer. So you'd rather, you know, you did a great job on a special, but they didn't care because they just they get this amount of money, and they don't want to put extra money toward maybe social media to get more people to come out because they get the same amount of money either way. So if they can cut a corner, they're going to cut a corner. So that's so I get it that Netflix is a great way to reach out, but does it make you happy well, as an artist? Here's, here's the deal. I, and I think, I, I think I'm safe in saying this is that, um, I think specials should be, uh, should be, uh, dictated on where the artist is in their career. Yeah. So if Dave Chappelle would like to do Madison square garden, then I think he should. Right. Because Dave Chappelle can sell Madison Square Garden. Kevin Hart wants to do the fucking Spectrum, then he can do the Spectrum. Um, if Tom Segura would like to do the Paramount in Denver, and he then he should. And by the way, Tom <laughs> should only do that if he... Because I know, Tom, how he likes to do a special, if he can sell two shows. Because you want to do two shows if you do your special. Right. So I did the Irvine uh, Improv. The new one. The new one for my last special, and I sold two shows. But that is the amount of people I could play to. And I think that when you start getting um, performers who don't sell theaters in theaters and and then paper the room or just go, we'll shoot around it, I think that you're really, you're li- you're, you, the lie is, the proof is in the pudding. Is that yeah I mean I I did my first special was for Comedy Central the Comfortably Dumb mm -hmm. and it was a like a 700 seat venue and I remember I was so naive at the time that I was like I can't believe I sold 700 tickets I didn't they papered the room and so no one was like a bird fan and my style of comedy at the time that was that was right when I'm that was right when I was met you probably right around then oh seven yeah and and so my style of comedy was a little aggressive a little racy, a little like dirty, um, talked about race. And I was like, people at a paper ticket were not ready for that. Right. So like, well, look at, uh, Mitch Hedberg's first half hour set. Oh. Like, you know, where he's like, sits, epic. yeah. And he just like sits down and he puts his head in his hands. He's just like, this uh. doesn't feel special at all. <laughs> uh, and just, you know, because they just bring it, you know, you've done those shows, right? Where they, well, that's, they, that's, they bring in an audience of good looking people because they just want to make it look good. And it's like, but they don't care about comedy. Yeah. Know? It's, 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 uh, it's. It's one of the things I was the problem I have with the CISO taping is like when you hire actors to sit in the front row of a comedy show because their cameras are going to be on them and you're going to light their faces. Well, then 
they're not going to laugh because they have to now co-sign on whatever you just said because America's going to see them smiling. Like if you go, I think Trump's a great guy. They're like, even if they think he is, they're probably going to be like, whoa. Right. And make it even more so that if their mom sees it or their friends from high school, they're not like, wait, you're into Trump? Right. And you're like, I no, I saw you in that show and that fucking comedian said that and you fucking laughed. That's not fucking cool. You're like, oh, that's why <laughs> if you do a special, don't shoot the audience. Show that they're there, but just, in my, this is the way I shoot it, and I, you know, but I don't show the audience. I don't need reaction shots. If I talk to someone in the audience, yeah, sure, try to grab them, but I'm not yeah. gonna. Yeah, I didn't, I don't, because it is like, when you're at a special, like, it's literally like the camera's pointed at your face, and you're doing everything not to look at the camera, and I'm enjoying myself, like a gun's being pointed to your head to enjoy yeah. the show. So, yeah, I, with I shot mine, you know, I had my camera people backstage and they were able to shoot out to the audience without anyone knowing they were being. So, it's like it's genuine reaction shots, like whenever you needed it. So, I didn't have people like running up and down the aisles because I knew that was going to be distracting. Yeah. And it was 100 special. seats? Yeah. I mean, it's like in the round. Like, it's a great little theater. It's where I do improv, too. So, it's like I just like that vibe. Venue and I didn't even use a mic, you know. It's just like I I mic'd myself, and to me it just felt more more like me, you know. It's available Friday. Friday, on That's Amazon great. and iTunes. No, where's your wife from? She's from out here. She's from uh, Oak Park. Really? Yeah. Uh, how old are her parents? <laughs> <laughs> her dad's dead. Oh. <laughs> uh, so however old that is, and uh, yeah, her mom I think is sixty five, maybe. Probably, okay. She'll probably be mad for me saying that. Um, but, uh, yeah, so she, she's younger than me. She's like, she's 14 years younger. So, oh, sweet. <laughs> Good fucking call. She's 30, 32. She's going to be oh, 32. Fucking my wife's older than me and I fucking hate it. <laughs> I hate it with a passion. Okay. It's like, it's, it's sometimes like I'm joking. Obviously I love my wife, but there is something that happens with me and my wife where she just is not like she's. Almost like uh, she's almost like my older sister who doesn't want to do all the shit I want to do. Like, but but she's also very cool. Like, I'm trying to think of the right example. But like, like yesterday she made fun of me because I kissed the mirror sometimes when I'm having a bad day, and she's like, <laughs> she's like, she's like, oh, let me write that down. That is a fucking. I I didn't think it was funny. I thought it was just. I thought everyone did it. No, no one does that, Bert. No, that's how you are a narcissist. She said, and she was so fucking angry that I did it because we were at a party at her friend's house, and I was like, "You guys don't do that," and she's like, "No." No one does that. And she goes, narcissists do that. And I go, right. no. She goes, no. Actually, n n nar what, Narsa? Narcissist? Who's the guy Narcissus? that screamed? Narcissus? Narcissus? Narcissus was yeah. the Greek... Greek narcissist. Yeah, and he's well. He was the the Greek god or whatever that looked into the pond, saw his reflection, and fell in love with himself. Right. And she was like, I was oh, like, no, wow, I'm not sad. doing it because I like what I look like. I'm doing it because I want to give me a kiss and let me know that I'm okay. <laughs> I'm so fucking shocked that no one does that. Well, can yeah. you just write that down for my next secret time? Secret time. So I do uh, this bit on stage. I not always, but I do secret time where I just tell secrets. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, I go secret time. Uh, sometimes when my wife has an orgasm, she looks like Elvis. <laughs> secret time. <laughs> and, and then I go secret time. I don't know what she looks like, but she has an orgasm. So I'm not looking at her. <laughs> secret time. <laughs> like I like just sharing. I love just sharing a a secret. Right, right. That's a great. Little... Like I love. 
Well, that'd be good for the special as you do it to the camera. Secret time. Yeah. Secret time. <laughs> secret time. Sometimes when I'm having a bum, bum that day, I tell myself something and I t- I'll tell myself something uplifting uh-huh. uh, and or something that makes me laugh. And then I'll kiss the mirror. <laughs> I can't believe no one does that. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's definitely, it's troubling. I, I did. I'm going to take it to the next level because I can kiss selfies. What time do you have to get out of here? Uh, whatever you need. Okay. I'm, yeah, well, I'm, I, I want to keep talking if you're cool. Yeah. With yeah, it. I'm yeah. Cool with it. Um, yeah, what's uh, what's your what's your biggest secret? What's my biggest secret? Yeah, we'll make this a segment in the oh podcast. Secret time. Uh, secret time. What's my biggest secret? I don't know what my biggest secret is. I don't know. Let's let's. Uh, Who said I love you first? You or your wife? My wife. Really? Yeah, my wife. And what did you say? Thanks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, that's the same with me and Leanne. Yeah. Leanne said I love you to me. Uh, we were in my apartment or my, my house when I was, before we were living together. Right. And I said, I, she goes, I said something like, uh, how, how do you feel about me? Or, I don't know. And she goes, I love you. And I went, you do? Mm-hmm. She goes, yeah. And I went, cool. Cool. <laughs> well, I think, I, I mean, I, I, you know, I pushed my feelings way down when I was younger. Well, that wasn't that young. What am I talking about? But I mean, saying I love you was always like, you know, you said that maybe eight times in your life. I mean, I bet my dad has probably said it like four times in his entire life. You know, when he has said it, though, it's like it's meant a lot because it's like, all right, I love you. It's like, holy, did he just say that? Like, yeah. I need to let, so, so yeah. So I think it's like you're not used to like, because I mean, I mean, I see other people and they're like, all right, see you later. Love you. And it's yeah. like, wait, you love me? You don't love me. You, you, I've just met you. You know, yeah. it's like, so I just had a hard time saying it. But, you know, I did. I think I was just scared because I had, you know, like the previous relationship, I had said I love you to the person and they kind of like broke my heart. So, and you're so like, it's just, hey, don't you remember I said I loved you? Right, right. Like, I, that's, like I, didn't, I wasn't joking when I said that. Right, right. It's like I paid for that. Like that was like <laughs> my payment to you was saying I love you, you know, and then just to have that end and it's just like it was really hard. Was so, that so, how, how, when, when was that relationship? Uh, that was probably like three or four years before that, before I met my wife. So, yeah. so yeah. So that after that, I was kind of like, you know, I'm not going to say it anymore. It's just too, it hurts too much, you know, to, to say it and then have somebody break your heart. So it's so interesting. Yeah. Did she cheat on you? I don't, it's one of those things that I don't think she did, but maybe <laughs> I've been cheated <laughs> I, on. Yeah. Oh, oh that's rough. Devastating. It was devastating. It was devastating in like a, the only thing that felt good was to say, I'll never trust a woman again. Wow. That, uh, that was the only thing that felt good was to say, this isn't, ha- I'm not letting this happen again. Right. Like to get strong. Like, you know, in those, in those movies where the, the hero gets into their fourth act and you see them put the bandana on and go, now it's time <laughs> for me to, I'm right. going to f- I'm going to fuck your puppies. What did you say? What was your line? Uh, oh, it's about to get bananas. Uh, oh, fuck store. Yeah. The fuck uh, yeah. store called fuck you. Um, but like I, I was definitely like, fuck women. There's there. You can't trust them. I remember thinking, um, so wait, when you found out you were being cheated on, did you, you found out like you discovered it through email or you discovered it through a friend of a friend telling you, how'd you find out about it? Uh, it started with a venereal disease. Oh yeah. Yikes. With the clap. I ta- I'm sure I've talked about this before. And if I haven't, then <laughs> sorry guys. Um, she gave me the clap and I, and so I was like, wow. what is, wait, what is the clap again? I uh, it's, it's when it just burns when you pee. <laughs> okay. But it's not burn. That's an understatement. 
Uh-huh. So for the record, like to say it burns when you pee or there's a burning sense. It is fucking like lava coming out. Your it is. Pee hole or? It, it's no, it's more like a big punch to the, your abdomen, uh-huh. like a punch to the, your pubis and then fire coming out, but it, it can't get out. It's trickling its way out. Oh, so it's wow. taking forever to really get out. And then when it is out, you still feel like you have to pee. You still feel like oh, you, okay. that sensation is going on. You're like, no, no, no. Um, and so I had that and I went to the doctor and the doctor told me I had the clap and I was like, I've only been with one chick for the last five years or maybe four years. But I don't know how long it was, but it was a long time. And he was like, yeah, she's a whore. And I was like, That's a diagnosis. He had a like, chart and everything. He's yeah, like, it's so funny. It, I took it so heavily then because, <laughs> yeah, he just checked it off and uh, oh, it looks like your girlfriend's a whore. <laughs> Mr. Kreischer, we have the results back. Uh, your girlfriend's a whore. I looked at it then because I was 22 <laughs> and I looked at it like, like a doctor saying this. But now I look back at life and I go, oh, he was just some kid. <laughs> He was just some probably kid. been hurt too. Yeah, yeah, he'd been burned. He'd been this, he's seen this before. Right. And he's talking to a frat boy who's got the clap and just won't accept it. Right. And and he's going, dude, just take the medicine. You have the clap. That sounds like, like a Florida doctor right yeah. there. Yeah. He's like, you don't want the test. I was like, I want the test. He's like, you don't want the test. And I was like, no, because I, I, you're wrong. I've been with this girl. Trust me. There's no way she's cheating on me. And he's like, trust me, she is. Mm-hmm. He goes, let me. He goes, let me ask you a question. He goes, uh, when you go to Yanni's is the name of the bar, but he's like, when you go to a bar, do you and your dick split up to cover more territory? And I was like, <laughs> no. And he goes, so you pretty much are with your dick all night long. It's like the I coolest said, doctor yeah. ever. I go, yeah. And he goes, then trust me, your chick's cheating on you. She's a whore. And I was like, no. And and then he said, he said, man, if he goes, if you want, he's like, I'll give you a panel of tests because I guarantee you, if you've got the clap, this isn't the first time she's done this. Oh my gosh! And I was like, no. And he goes, no one, no one cheats and gets the clap off, off cheating once. Trust me. And I was like, okay. So I he I got the whole panel of tests. I had the clap. Everything else was fine. I got an AIDS test. Oh geez. Yeah, I got an AIDS test. How long does that take? Uh, to get it, you, just, you you have to have sex with one person. <laughs> Tell me more. Can you get it from a toilet seat? <laughs> well, if you fuck it, if, uh, if the guy's still sitting on it when you sit down. <laughs> Sounds like a first Burt joke right there. That does sound like a, that's got to be someone's joke. It's too easy. Um, uh, no, it's, it took a it, uh, back it takes then. It, a took, week? it took a week, I think, to get oh the results God. in. That's like so scary. That's seven days of like, do I have AIDS? One of my buddies, I won't say his name because I know he listened to the podcast. Uh, he got an AIDS test, too. Uh, I think he had cheated on his chick or something or his chick had cheated on him and, and he got really, really sick. And so he went and got an AIDS test because back this is back when we thought everyone was going to have AIDS. Right. And, uh, and, but I got the results back for everything and they're like, you're clean. You, you do have chlamydia, but he'd already given the medicine. He was like, trust me, whatever it is, whatever it is, whatever you got, this is the thing that will cure it. He's like, if you need to know. And so I went back and asked her and actually I think she confessed that my one of my buddies heard her and the guy saying that they needed to tell me and he was i grew up with this guy pat fagan and pat was like found out went up to her and was like you need to tell him or i'm telling him and she went and told me and i was like that would explain the clap (laughs) so and so she was fucking a lot of people oh geez yeah and so but uh but i and i i had known a guy who 
Well, did you have like a moment of like realization, like, oh, that's why she would always say like, I'm busy or I can't make it to your thing or no, I didn't. Yeah. Um, I did have like, I did it. What made more sense was like, I didn't really give a fuck. Like I was a super cool boyfriend. And like, if she wanted to go out with a bunch of people go, like I remember she went to New Orleans one time with a, with a bunch of guys and girls. And I was like, yeah, of course go have a great time. I was, I was faithful. Mm -hmm. Um, I cheated on her though. One time she caught me. Um, yeah, that was bad. And, but, but I cheated on her for a relationship and then broke up the chick, went back whatever. Anyway, (laughs) look, I wasn't a great guy either, but, um, but she, and then I, one night this guy, Ted came up to me at, um, Oh, Ted. That's a terrible name. He was, I wonder what he's doing now. I forget his last name, (laughs) but, uh, he was a, he was a nice enough guy, but Ted had like always had a crush on her. And then one night we're at a bar and this is after this and we're both drunk. And he was like, Hey man, just so you know, I fucked her too. I was like, really? He's like, yeah, a lot of us did. A lot of us. I go, "Ugh." and I, I remember feeling like the only way I could take care of that feeling of being a cuck, like being a guy who everyone knew his girlfriend cheats on him. Oh dude, go for her. She, she definitely fucks. And, and so I remember just being like, the only way I can do this is not trust women ever again. Cause I was like, I was like, I, I, and I didn't trust women and I didn't care about women in a weird, like in a weird, like, yeah, I need their bodies. Cause that's what I'm attracted to. Mm-hmm. But in a misogynistic, like, like I'm not going to let you get close to me. I'm right. like, I'm so sorry. I'm gonna have to shut this down. And I lost a couple really cool chicks. There was this one chick. I think her name was Stephanie. I mean, she was so fucking cool. She was from Chicago, and I met her. I was doing the working the door at the Boston Comedy Club. Mm-hmm. I met her and her friends walking down the street, barking. I brought them in. They came in. I had a good set. At the end, we all went downstairs and hung out. And then she was like, "We're here for the summer. We just moved here for the summer. We should hang out." And I was like, "Cool." And I ended up hooking up with her friend that night, and mm-hmm. then hooking up with her after that and she was so awesome like i mean to this day i go i go man i would love to see her i would love for her to come to a show and i'd love to meet her husband and i'd love to tell her husband how lucky he is Mm -hmm. she was so cool she was hot really hot um but she was like she had this she was italian from chicago so she really took care of you in like the way an italian woman would you know in that stereotypical way she would just take care of you and i was like i remember i didn't i wasn't comfortable with it because i was like whatever and then i moved out to la and i to do a sitcom and and then i just lost touch with her right but man she was cool as shit Right. I know that's how I, I mean, when I met my wife, that's how it felt was like, wow, we like have the same sense of humor. Like we make each other laugh. Like, you know, I couldn't pass that up. It was just like, she's, I I wasn't going to make that mistake of like not pursuing her and not, you know, letting my, giving my, giving her my heart, you know, but that's the crazy when you, I, when Leanne, Leanne and I dated, she said she loved me. I said, cool. (laughs) And then, and then we broke up like four months in maybe two months in we broke up she dumped me mm-hmm. she was like you're not she goes i think you don't like women and i don't think you're willing to let me tr- you're not willing to trust me and i'm not here to fuck around i'm i'm looking for a relationship right and so i'm not gonna just be your fuck buddy or like or that's not her words at all but that's basically right i was in her kitchen and i remember 
having a panic attack and I the idea of not living a life with this woman fucking and I couldn't and I was like Oh, dude, I remember I must have struggled in that moment because she was breaking up with me and I was realizing at the moment I'm being broken up with, but I didn't see it coming. Mm-hmm. And I was like, maybe, hold on one second. Maybe this is a bad idea. Maybe we should go. And then she was like, I need space. And Oof. she broke up with me and I left and I started fucking spinning out of control. And I, I was a mess. Fucking four days crying couldn't fucking get out of bed i put my bed in the closet brought the tv into the closet and i played flight club on repeat over and over and over again and i kept going i fucked it up i fucked it up i had the one cool chick in la the one chick that is that doesn't give a fuck if i'm famous doesn't give a fuck if i have money doesn't give a fuck of anything just wants to hang out me and her and i fucked it up i was like I did everything. I made her a mixtape. I did everything in my power to get her back. I know. <laughs> I was bad. I was crying in the car. I remember I was crying in the car driving down La, La Brea, and a person next to me was crying in their car. And I, but we both saw each other, and we were like, ah! it was so fucking weird. And then she came back. She went to a black church in, uh, in South Central because she couldn't find a uh, Baptist church in Hollywood. <laughs> so she had to go to South Central because she grew up Baptist. Oh, my God. And so she went to this like all black church and then came up and I was like, I will never fuck this. And I was, and I, when I was hoping you'd show up at the black church and like come out on stage in a robe and be like, (laughs) I need to talk to the people in this church right now. There is a woman here. Let the white boy speak. There's a one woman in here. Why is he talking like us? I don't know. Oh, there's a one woman in here. Uh, I, <laughs> Leanne's looking at the girls next to her. Right. And they're going, no, girl, it's you. <laughs> I think it's you. Um, I was jogging down. Uh, I was jogging down Outpost. Outpost is right, right by uh, Franklin. And uh, jogging back to my house, and I was, and I said to God, who I, I hate that people, I hate that religion's been so fucking, because I do believe in God. Yeah. Like, I definitely believe in God. I said to God, I said, God, if you allow me to have her back, I will never cheat on her. I'll never covet. I'll never do anything, and I won't fuck it up. And I remember God saying to me, be careful what you wish for because I'll give her back to you, but you got to hold, I got to hold you to that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I need her. And uh, I got back to my house and I walked into my bedroom and she walked in right after me and I went, Oh my God. I was like, there is a God. Wow. And, and then I, and, uh, and she took me back and we started and then we've been in love. Yeah. Wow. I don't know if we're still in love. I mean, we're friends. No, <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> it's over. Liam. Uh, I, I'm dry. I, this is how cool she was. I, got that phone call from Stanhope last night uh-huh. and we're all with all our friends and she's like uh and everyone's like you're not gonna go over and i mean you're hanging with us you're not gonna leave and go and then i was like i'm after dinner when we put our kids to bed i'm gonna go over there and i was like i'm probably gonna spend the night and she was like okay yeah. and then I, I woke up this morning and at like 7 30 in the morning i woke up and i called her and I, she wasn't a bitch. She was just like, hey, was it fun? I, try, and I tried FaceTiming her because uh-huh. uh, his fucking house is insane. Right. It's insane. And, I, and I, I, I'm super respectful of like keeping his privacy. 
Are you not going to say his name? Oh, no. I, did I not say his name? No. Johnny Depp. Yeah. <laughs> we were at Johnny Depp's house partying last night, me and Stanhope. I'm, th- I'm assuming anyone that has heard this podcast, I think if I, you got to listen to a podcast today, by the way, uh, Halston, and tell me if it is worth releasing because we were so <laughs> fucked up. But like his house is so cool, but it is him. It's his th- fingerprint. So yeah. like, so like you, I, I felt really weird. Like, of course, I wanted to do a video in there and be like, hey, guys, I'm a Johnny. Like, right. of course, you want to do that. Put it on Instagram and get a ton of likes. But I think just like your dad would have said is like, no, this is a moment. This is like, this, live right. your life. What are you bragging to somebody? Mm-hmm. And so I was like, yeah, I'm not going to do any of that. And so I just, but I, but I wanted her to see because we're big fans of, uh, of, uh, the pirates of the caribbean right and he's got the pirate flag his pirate oh, flag wow. up above and in, in on the ceiling does he have like his own room for like music and stuff and like that's that? where we were in we were in that house where he wow. does most of his music and all of his music and it was i mean it was like maybe 200 guitars but they weren't like it wasn't like a guy who just hey can you fill this room with guitars right. it was like guitars he's a collector yeah it was so it, the house, that house was so neat. It was so neat. I was like, I, I couldn't, it, it, but I, he just, you know, I think I, 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 but I, that's how cool my wife is, is that she didn't say, Hey, can I go? Mm-hmm. She didn't say, Hey, uh, uh why can't I gonna How come I can't go? Yeah. Hey, wait, hold on. You're not spending the night. Just come home. Hey, do you know what? You're going to leave me here with the girls. You're going to go party over at Johnny. You're not going to my wife's like, "Have a blast." Right. And then I woke up and and then I, I called her. I was coming I was coming back over the hill and she was like, uh, "I'm taking my Aunt Carol to the airport." <laughs> I was like, cool. <laughs> Does it get more aunt than yeah. Aunt Carol? <laughs> <laughs> she had an Aunt Diane. Oh, okay. Aunt Diane and Carol. But uh and I just Came wow. in, took a nap. Yeah. Ate three pieces of pizza. <laughs> took a shower. Halston came in. Went over and got coffee with you. Yeah. And I haven't seen my wife all day, but she's just cool. Yeah. Yeah. My wife, I, I know, like my wife, like you said, they call you out on your bullshit or whatever. And like when we first started dating, I had a gig in Montreal and I decided to save money. I would fly out of Ontario to go to Montreal because of ticket so expensive so i like said could you give me a ride to the ontario airport and like she's like okay what are we like she's like (laughs) is this a relationship or am i your ride to the airport and i was just like you know like she doesn't take shit she doesn't take any bullshit it's like you know you need to like let me know what this is because i don't want to I've wasted my time with other guys. I'm not, you know, I like you. I love you. So it's like, what is this going to be? And it was, it was like, you know, you need to be kind of called out on your shit. That's when you told you you loved her when you you were like, it's Ontario. I love you. We need to leave at 7 (laughs) a.m. Please be prompt. (laughs) Carry my bags to the car. Thank you. (laughs) And don't look in the rearview mirror. I'll be sitting in the back. (laughs) I do an Uber style. So. I just recently started asking Ubers if I could sit in their front seat. <laughs> like, if, like when I go to the airport, I go, it's like early flight. I go, hey, can I sit in the front? And he's like, oh, usually they sit in the back. I go, yeah, but the back doesn't recline. And I want right. to sleep. Oh, okay. And so, yeah, that's so cool. So you guys don't know, you haven't figured out kids yet? You don't know? I mean, she doesn't really want them. I mean, really? She's, she's 32, though, so I'm like, hopefully in the next few you, years. You, do you want kids? I do, yeah. You'd be but a great not, dad. Not right now, either. Like, I'm sort of trying to, like, you know, pursue this. And Do you feel like, I feel like kids only helped me 
And but yeah, once again, I had a very different like like when we went to Africa. So one of the parts of the stories that we haven't really shared is that that or we did, but we didn't really talk about totally is we did that tour in South Africa, right? For it was a month, right? And so I, we had just had Isla. I mean, oh wow! That, yeah, that and I left right after we had Isla. <laughs> left my wife with a newborn, wow. and went to Africa and just partied every fucking day. Mm-hmm. That was one great trip. Oh, I, you know, and here's the thing. I didn't book that through an agent. I didn't have anybody. I emailed them because some Sam. Yeah, I emailed Sam. I sent him, you know, at the time you had to send a video. I sent a VHS tape to South Africa thinking, I don't know what happens. He watched it. He said, great. We're going to put together an offer. I didn't even realize I would get paid. And they put together this amazing offer. I'm like, yes. You know, and like, that's how I booked it. You know, so I was like, and that, that to me is like how I sort of define my career. Is it's like, if you don't ask, you never know. So it's like, uh, you know, it's just like you got to do these things on your own. You can't wait for the opportunity. Like, what did it hurt for me to send the tape? You know, it cost 20 bucks or something, but it ended up paying off, you know, a hundredfold, you know? Yeah. What did, what, what do you, what do you want to do in the business? I mean, I'd like to do a, I want to do a, I have a sick guy, the sitcom that I wrote, uh, Bruce city with, uh, that I'd really like to shoot. I'd like to do a movie. You can sh- are you a single camera. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's you can camera. shoot that. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't. My, I, my thing is, I'd rather do a movie just because a movie's more. You know, it's one shot. It's like yeah. one whole thing, as opposed to a sitcom, which is like, here's the pilot. Oh, okay, that's good. What would be the next episode? You know, it's like yeah. you feel like it's an ongoing. See, that's so thing. funny. I'd rather not do a movie. I'd rather do a sitcom. Yeah. I'm what I'm looking for in life is. Um, a nuclear family that lives at CBS Radford. I'd love to do a four camera sitcom. The one I wrote is not four camera. Um, it's single camera, but whatever I could maybe change it. But, um, I would love to have like a nuclear family of like a set on set in CBS Radford. I can ride my bike there, jog there by a motorcycle and ride my motorcycle there mm-hmm. and then show up. I want my parking spot. I want my green room. I want to go into the writer's room. I want to help write on it. I want to help talk it through. I want to go in and get on set, do the read through, go to lunch, go to the commissary, have a nice, big, healthy lunch. Talk to someone <laughs> about this, uh, about like getting in tennis lessons or something. I want to live that life. I want to live in LA. I want, I want the, and then, and then I want to be able to like go, Hey, uh, uh, after we wrap on Thursday, I'm heading out. I'm going to do a couple a theater in Miami and a theater in Tampa, mm-hmm. or I'm going to do Boston, Delaware. I'm doing this and then do the, do tour, but I want regularity. I'd love right. to, I, I mean, that's like, you know, we were talking about purchasing, you know, other properties. I want a compound. Like I want a compound. I want a big wall. I want what Johnny Depp has. Ultimately, he's like nine houses on one street and he owns them all. Right. I'm not sharing secrets. I think that's, everyone knows that, but like he, like I, I, I love that. I love that. I don't know what, <laughs> what broken me as a child, but I, I like that. Yeah. My I, first TV show was on the X show and the guy said to me, you don't know how, how good you've had it. He's like, you know, most people work their whole careers to get this. This is your first show. You're going to, you're going to look back one day and go, God, I, sh- I wish I could just go back to that. And I always do. It was such right. a fun show to do. 
Yeah. I mean, uh, that's the thing is like when you get that stuff early on, it's hard to, I, I, a friend of mine wrote a book about Greg Giraldo and talked about, uh, he wrote a book. Yeah. It's Matt, Matt Balaker. He wrote this really good book. Matt Balaker. Yeah. He used to run a show at, uh, Red Rocks. I know Matt. Yeah. Matty Ballgame. Yeah. Yeah. So he wrote this book and, uh, I don't know if, I mean, anyways, I, 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 he gave me like a pre- like to read it over and I read it and it's great. And, but one thing he said was how Greg had such early success, you know, two years, I think a year or two in, he went to Montreal, he got a deal out of Montreal, he got a sitcom on NBC. So he had all the success early on. So once he started having those failings because his whole life he had went to Harvard, you know, he went, you know, went to law school, like everything was boom, 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 success, success. And then when he stopped having that success or he started getting those roadblocks, he didn't see it as like, oh, you know, it's just a missed opportunity. Move on to the next thing. He saw it as like a personal reflection on him. Really? I mean, I don't know. Is Matt's book published? Not yet. I think he's looking for a publisher or else he's going to self-publish it. But it's a great book. You know, he interviews Jim Gaffigan. Hey, will you text him and tell him I'd love to have him on the podcast? Oh, yeah, yeah. I know, Matt. Yeah, I'd love to talk about that fucking book. I am... Greg Giraldo was like... like, Greg and uh, and even Bill to some extent, a lesser extent. I would say that only because I'm... Greg one time... And Bill said the same thing, but uh, I had an early success. And Greg pulled me aside. He was like, uh, "Don't tell anyone what you've made. Don't tell anyone how much money it is. Don't t- don't brag about any of this to anyone." Mm-hmm. He's like, "Don't talk about it to anyone because everyone hates you, and they will hate you as long and and if you give them reasons to hate you, they'll even hate you more." He was like, "Just and he goes, don't stop working the door. He goes, keep working the door." He's like, "You you haven't like earned your spots, you know, right? So keep working the door." And people you just stay humble. People like you. And man, it was the greatest advice ever. Bill gave me similar advice because Bill had early success. Right. And Bill said, um, Bill said, hey, uh, keep your head down. Just do the fucking work. And he's like, but go tell Esty you have a deal because Esty doesn't know anything about any of that shit. Mm. And, and she'll put you up. She'll give you spots if she knows you have a deal. And I was like, okay. And I didn't. Right. I just, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't yeah. listen to, I have a hard time taking advice too. But, uh, I would love to talk about Geraldo. I could talk forever yeah, about no. that guy. I mean, I loved his special too. Like that was like a special that I really liked where you talking about leaving the stuff in that where the guys falls asleep toward the end of his special yeah. <laughs> and he just calls it out. And I, lo- and it's such a genuine, like funny moment of like doing the Rastafarian voice and yeah. the stone guy in the Me middle. Me no one, no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh my God. It was such a great, moment and i mean that and you know he's just so funny and it's just like the fact that he never saw that he was successful you know that he was having such a great career that anyone would love to have and he couldn't see it if you could have one comics tv show whose would it be any (laughs) tv show uh any comics well i don't know i mean i was gonna say all in the family but that's he's not a comic per se but you'd like to do a show like all in the family i like all in the family because it felt more like a play like it felt like it was very raw and very light like even like ray romano's show felt like that where it wasn't like like they'd linger on those scenes like that was pure acting on everyone's part it wasn't like seinfeld's very quick like yeah and it's funny but i don't think it required the acting chops that say all in the family or or ray romano's show required you know but 
I do like Seinfeld. I, I think I do watch it, and I still laugh. I still think it's more funny. so than like more so. You'd, you'd you'd rather do a sitcom than like a talk show or like what Jeffries is doing or what Tosh is doing. Yeah, I'd rather have like I'd I'd rather do something like like sort of like Curb Your Enthusiasm or The Office or yeah. something like that, like a single camera sort of thing. Um, you know, I, I mean, I keep saying the brewery thing, you know, but it's, it's, uh, that's sort of what is I want to do. Is that uh, four camera in your head? No, no, it's, it's, it's a single, single camera. camera, you know, sort of like parks and rec office, that sort of thing. But, but you know, I, I think it's a blue collar thing. It's a well, Oscar and Angela are available. <laughs> they, they rejected me before. I feel bad that I shit on them, but that just bothers me so much that they'd have two actors judge comics. Oh my god! Well, that was yeah, that was when they were just hiring two NBC people for all the judges for yeah. for last comic. But it was, I mean, I, the first year I did it, or that maybe it was the second year of the show, I did it for Ross and the two Tonight Show people, and that was, was it Bob and Ross. Bob and Ross, yeah, and and they were like, they would like heckle you as you were performing, like it was already. I remember I thought my career was over after I did that. Cause I, I had some good success when I moved out. Like I'm not like phenomenal, but like I got on the late, late show. I did like late Friday. I had comedy central. Like, so I was like, Oh, this is, this is easy. And then this, yeah. that was like my first rejection where it just felt like a kick in the nuts. Wait, when did you do last comic standing? I mean, I didn't do it. I just auditioned and oh, I for just, Bob and Ross. Yeah. And I was like, Oh my God, that was the worst. Like it's going to be part of their, you know, shitty comic reel where they put all the comics and make you look horrible and i was just like it's the end of my career i remember i was crying like i was just like calling my brother and like called my manager i was like it's over it's all over and it's just like and then i was like after that i was like nobody cares nobody you ready cares. you ready for a fucking it's all over moment yeah i have a there's a duck uh, a little baby duck uh that that it's a it's a uh, a gift it's a like a little trinket that i bought georgia a long time ago i bought it for the night uh the, the day after i didn't move forward in last comic standing oh wow and i said priscilla had it in her mouth and it was all dirty and i said to leanne you should wash it she goes i think there's something inside doesn't this have like meaning to you i go yeah i go do last comic standing um which which season two season two oh, okay i get to the semifinals where it's like 20 maybe i don't know semifinals mm -hmm. or maybe finals i get to the finals where they pick the people going into the house i do my set i, I had a rough set Ugh, man you want to talk about douche chills <laughs> i tried to improv something and it just came out wrong and rich voss was one of the judges uh i they they would hold you they would go all right Ladies and gentlemen, Bert Kreischer and the guy backstage would go, hold, hold, hold. So they'd all applaud, right? Right. And then he'd go, hold, 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 hold. And then once they stopped applauding, he'd go, go. And so it was really bad. Right. And so I go out to silence. I walk the length of a stage to a microphone in silence. And uh, these black chicks in the back go, uh, yeah. That's just two black chicks. And I say, I love black bitches. <laughs> <laughs> And so, and I watched Voss go, and so I, I didn't move on, obviously. Um, and I'm that night I go, I took, I mean, I'm, I hate to be super honest, but I took a Xanax and I got a six pack of beer. I was like, I'm sleeping this one off. I took the Xanax, started killing beers, passed out, woke up, had to fly the next day. Bonnie McFarland, Gary Goldman, Todd Glass, and, um, and I think maybe, maybe it's just them. 
and Jimmy Jimmy Dore were all going to get something to eat, and I asked if I could go with them, and they were like, uh, you know what, we're just gonna, and I realized they didn't want to be with a loser. Oof. And by the way, Gary is still my friend. I, I, he didn't say anything like that, but I could see that they all had good stuff to talk about. They were all excited, right. and they didn't want to they didn't want to share their excitement with someone who didn't want to hear it. They wanted to share their excitement. It wasn't it wasn't malice. Like it wasn't bad, but you could see it in their eyes. They were like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna," you know what? We're and they just left. And uh, <laughs> what, a, what a sad. And so uh, they came back and we're getting ready to go to the airport. And uh, I'm sitting in the lobby. I haven't really talked to anyone. I feel no one's making eye contact with me. I, f- I mean, it's, and then this a lot of this might be imagined. And I go over to the to the gift shop. And Gary Goldman comes back and he's like, hey, man, you know what? Don't worry about it. You know, you can always try again next year, you know, and, and you've, you, you got it. You, you're going to be fine. You're going to be totally fine. And I was like, yeah. And he goes, hey, and you're having a kid. And I looked and I was like, yeah. And he walked away and I thought I'm having a fucking kid. I was like, you know what? I'd much rather be on Last Comic Standing than have a kid right now right. <laughs> in my head. <laughs> and I go, and I, whatever I got at the counter, I got, and the lady goes, anything else? And I look and I see this duck and I go, yeah, this, because I'm having a fucking kid. And I go, <laughs> and I bought her that duck. It was the lowest I've ever been in my career. <laughs> I was fucking so sad. And I bought her that duck. And then I, you see, when I had her, I gave her the duck. And when I had her, I'd been profiled on Last Comic Standing so well that it really kind of helped my career because they didn't show me being a loser. They just didn't mention my name again. Right. Like, they just didn't mention the winners. Right. So they didn't show me fail. And I was like, oh. And, it, and I, like, I got a lot of boost. And Gary put me on his tour. Like, and I made, like, fucking 3000 bucks a gig, which was a lot. 4000 bucks. Right, right. And I did some dates with him. And it was really it was really good for my career. I was really happy I did it. Right. And now I look back and I go, thank God I didn't get on Last Comic Standing. Because I would have been able to do one hour. That's it. And I would have done... Maybe gone on a tour and maybe just been like, ah, what's next for the... I would have fucking stroked my ego and I would have had no humility. Right. Because it was the best thing that ever happened was being broke as fuck with a kid, going out and featuring for a year, having to learn how to do the road, having to fucking go and do like shit gigs... The Laughs Unlimited. Do you ever do Laughs Unlimited? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, do Laughs Unlimited for a weekend and stay at that Econo Lodge across <laughs> next the to the Denny's that shut down after midnight because there were too many shootings. Oh, oh, oh my God! <laughs> and meet guys who who give you a like. I met some guys in that process that were vi- vital to uh, establishing what you wanted out of this business. Yeah, like there was this guy Kelly. Um, Kelly Moran. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know Kelly? Do you remember Texas, him? Right? Yeah. Yeah. He had the Amarillo, Amarillo Comedy Club. Yeah, yeah. Dude, he's the reason I... He's my first headlining gig ever. Wow. He's someone... I said to the... Leslie, the girl at Laughs Unlimited, I was featuring for Kelly. And Kelly played the piano and kind of fucked around. And I think he was just trying to stay sober at the time, to be honest with you. Right. And uh, he was like... Um, he was like, hey... He was like, I, I don't... I don't... I'm not... He was the nicest guy. He's like, I'm not shitting on your act but like i need you to like dial it back he's like i'm having a hard time following you and he was like why why aren't you just fucking headlining and i was like i'm they won't headline me he was like that's fucking stupid so we go out and he goes just so you know i asked bert to dial it back i'm having a hard time following him so because you did 30 minutes to feature he goes uh he goes i'm gonna i'm gonna have him do 20 
and towards the end, I, I'm, I would, I'd really appreciate it if you just work on new stuff. And if you don't do well, I, I don't care. And I'm, I'm saying this so that Leslie knows that she shouldn't care either. I just, I'd, it would be easier for me. And she was like, I was like, okay. And everyone's like, okay. And he goes, Leslie, why don't you just headline him next time? She goes, he's not a headliner. By the way, Leslie's not in the business anymore uh, and probably, probably should have never been. I think she should have just run a bar. <laughs> but she was like, she had no comic insight. Right. Love her to death. But like the least of her strengths was comedy. And she was like, uh, she was like, uh, he's not a headliner. And he goes, he's definitely a headliner. She goes, we only headline headliners. He's a feature. And he goes, so he'll never be a headliner by that standard? She goes, he doesn't headline any other clubs. And he goes, hey, Bert, what are you doing next weekend? And I was like, nothing. He goes, would you like to headline my comedy club in Amarillo? And I was like, sure. And he was like, hey, turns out he's a headliner. So no, you can't feature him anymore, so now book him as a headliner. <laughs> and he walked out. And I was like, oh. And then I went up to him. I was like, am I really headlining your club? He's like, yeah. And I went down, headlined his club. That was funny shit. Did, yeah. you, ever, did you ever do Amarillo? I never did it. No. Really? No. I, uh. No, I didn't. I don't work Texas that much. But where do you? Where did you? What clubs did you start doing on the road? I mean, I, Milwaukee, obviously, Chicago. Zanies was always big. Bird Haas always liked. Never me. met that guy, but I've gotten phone calls for people calling, meaning to call him. Yeah, like they go on their phone and they call Bert, and my number comes up. They they look oh, Bert, Bert yeah, and they call oh, Bert. Yeah, yeah. It's only yeah. happened a couple of times. It's actually only happened once. Yeah. Actually, it never happened. I just thought it would happen. <laughs> I do have to use the bathroom. Go to the bathroom. Yeah. yeah. Just right. just pee. Just pee. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just pee by that uh, by that bird of paradise. Oh. And I'll keep I'll keep talking right now. Oh, okay. Yeah. This is the solo portion of the Burtcast where we play a game called Secret Time. Uh, Halston, do you have any questions for me? I have a lot of questions about Johnny Depp's house. <laughs> oh, for real? Yeah. Mike? Okay. Good. <laughs> yeah. You know he's in a band with Joe Perry and Alice Cooper, right? Uh, it's called the Hollywood Vampires. Yeah, they yeah, tour. yeah. They're going on another tour. Was he there? Nope. He wasn't there? Nope. Oh, Johnny Depp housed to yourself. Yeah. With Doug Stanhope. And you did a podcast? Yeah, we did a podcast. You got to listen to it. Uh, people have already listened to it if we did release it. And if we didn't release it, it's because it's unlistenable. I don't even know if the levels were right. Um, but yeah, I got the podcast with Stanhope. Um, it's like an hour and a half, but towards the last 20 minutes, I don't know if you can understand us. <laughs> so I'll give that to you today. And if you could listen to it, then we can post that one this week. Everyone is screaming right now. Just, just release it. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a good one, but we talk, I like, I, you, there are things in there that may need to be taken out. I'm not certain. Stan Hope at one point, it's like, you edit these, right? And I was like, no. He was like, you don't edit these? And his manager, Brian, was like, just fucking post it. Oh. And I was like, just post it, but just post it. <laughs> um, but yeah, you may need to listen. Yeah, we'll, we'll go through it. We'll, we'll talk about it later. Yeah, yeah, it was a fun fucking night. And just like that, he's back. We didn't, uh, we didn't, we didn't talk about anything you wouldn't have wanted to hear. Just asked about Johnny Depp's house. Um, it's gonna be a prank. You guys are gonna. Yeah, your mic's off. No, we just have we have a Mickey Mouse <laughs> voice, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think you'd be a great dad. I don't know how yeah. we got back to that. Oh, go back to comedy clubs. What comedy um, clubs do you play right now? Like when you do the road? Uh, well, the first club to headline me was Wise Guys in Utah and Salt Lake. And Keith, Keith Stubbs. Keith has been great. I just me. texted him the other day asking him about Park City. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. I was like, hey, man, where are we going? And then he just wrote, fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> he is a very man of few words, but he's great. I mean, he knows how to run a comedy club. Like That's one is. of the best clubs in the country. Yeah, and people love it. Like Mark Maron, Bill Burr, like they all talk about Rogan. Like, that's one of the few clubs Rogan still does. Yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, it's been so good, like, to me, like, just record, you know, just, like, performing there, and just the audiences are always great, but just going back to, like, the low point in comedy, because those are always fun to explore, Um, mine was actually at, in Montreal, I did New Faces in 2004, and, uh, you know, and that, at the time that was still i mean i guess it's still a big thing it's a big new faces in 1994 2004 okay i said uh 2004 um so i did it and uh just i remember so i i had they always say like oh you know this we have a band here a live band that play any song you want i was like oh cool so i'll I'll have them play uh (laughs) so i had them play uh ring of fire by johnny cash yeah and uh and then, so I, I get announced, I walk out, and I remember just hearing, like, this cacophony of, like, sounds that did not sound like Ring of Fire. And it was just like, and then I get out, and it's like, then everything just went in slow motion of, like, I should acknowledge that, that that was terrible, that was supposed to be Ring of Fire, but instead I just went into my act, into my set, and just ate it for seven minutes, or whatever it is. So... It was horrible, but it was that same sort of thing of where like, where people, you talk about like people not giving you eye contact or whatever, like the same sort of thing. And the next day in in Montreal, you go to the hotel, like we did, they didn't put us up in a hotel. They put us up like at a dorm because they wanted the new faces to be a secret. It was like the first year they're like, we're not going to tell you who the new faces are. It's going to be a surprise. And so they put us up at this horrible dorm. And, uh, and so the next day I went to the the hotel in Montreal and uh, there's like a big post where they put up all the reviews of shows and, and then they had a review of new faces. So I'm like, Oh, I wonder, you know, it was, it wasn't great, but it's gotta be, can't be too bad. And then I remember I'm looking, I'm looking and I remember Jimmy Pardo came over and he's like, and he just says, fuck them fuck them and i still haven't seen the article yet and i'm like fuck them and it's like what and i was like and then i spot it and it's like review so all the acts get ratings you know one to ten i look at my rating a bomb just a icon of a bomb like before they even had like emojis <laughs> just just an icon of a bomb and then just a one line definitely not milwaukee's best Oh my! I was just like, it was like a punch in the gut. And I was just like, oh my God, that was like the worst, just like the lowest point. And I remember like afterwards, I went to like the after party. I don't know why I went to the after party, but my friend, a friend of mine had done really well. John Fish had done really well at the festival. And he like introduced me to these people from Gersh and like, they wouldn't even like shake my hand. Like I was like, oh, this is Tom, you know, he's a really funny guy. And they're like you know just sort of nod at me yeah i was like oh like it was so bad and then uh i i just was like at the just at such a low point and then a night later i was walking to andy kindler's show and mitch hedberg was there and mitch i'd worked with i featured for him like a couple of years earlier and he says tom clark and i was like Oh, what's up, Mitch? You know, and like I couldn't believe you remembered me. Like I'd only met him once up to that point, so I was like, and he's like, yeah, let's go to the Andy Kindler show. So he he took me, and he was with those agents from Gersh, and he's like, this is Tom Clark. He's really funny. And then they like shook my hand, but purely because Mitch told them that 
to shake my hand oh. and uh but it was such a low point but but mitch acknowledging me and like making me feel like a comic made so much difference to that whole experience like and i remember then that week after the the monday i flew to vegas because i had to I was featuring at the Riviera, so I had to do two shows a night. So there was no time to like feel sorry for myself. I just had to like get back and get back on the horse and ride again and just did two shows a night. It was fun. It was like, and it just reminds you like, it's not about the industry and all that. It's about like, you're doing this cause you got into comedy cause you love it. You love making people laugh. And if you stop focusing on that, like you just, it burns you out. Managers and agents and, and I mean, I, I don't think I, I th- you know, I, I think I probably have slandered them before in the past, but they're not, they're the vast majority of them are, are good at what they do and they're, and they really give a fuck and they care about comedy. But then, but there also is a large portion of this business of, and it's, and it's not, look, it's, it's, it's not, I can name the good ones. I can go through and name all the good ones. And then there's also some good ones underneath them that are really good too. Mm-hmm. across the board but there is this massive group of people who just give a fuck about what's hot right. you know I, I keep burping this pizza up um <laughs> they just care about what's hot like you know it's it's the thing that ruins uh, careers i think and it's just, it's just like it's like you go you go i but is it funny like is it f- like ah right well, yeah, it's like they, they see something that works and then they just kind of repeat that formula over and over or that try to find that person as opposed to finding the next person. It's like, oh, who else is like that? Let's get them involved with this. It's it's the truth is like, uh, like with podcasting is the example I use is that none of them ever thought a podcast was valuable. Right. None of them. And now everyone's trying to figure out how they get in on the podcast game. Right. And you're just like, yeah, you, you know, I remember that's when I, that's when I started realizing they don't have all the answers. Mm-hmm. Like there was a few times, and by the way, and I'll, I'll always throw my people under the bus cause I know I love them, but there's times where you go, where you're like, they, they, they say things where you just go like, hold on, you can't be right about that. Like, you, that, I remember one time I had a manager who uh, we were talking about somebody, and he goes, "The word's out, man. He can't fucking act." It was and uh, about this other guy, and I was like, "What?" He's like, "Yeah, the word's out. Everyone talks about it." it was, I was just in an email. And he can't fucking act, and then we were talking about this other guy, this comic who had did a pilot, who did a pilot, and I was like, "He he can't. The word's out." Like that's one of the things that scares me. Like I when I this last year I was supposed to do the Wilbur, and they were like. They were like, don't worry, everyone sells out the Wilbur. And I was like, really? And they're like, everyone sells out the Wilbur. And I was like, okay, because I don't think I can sell a theater. And they're like, I will give, I will credit her by name, but Heidi, uh, my, my agent, was like, don't worry, you will sell out the Wilbur. And then like December, this time last year, we had like 200 tickets sold. <laughs> it seems right. like 1,100 people. I was like, huh? And they're like, it'll pick up. It's holiday season. No one, you know, everyone's planning their New Year's <laughs> Eve right now. And... <laughs> I mean, come New Year's Eve, we're still at like 400 tickets. And I'm like, are you sure? They're like, don't worry. It's going to pick up. It's going to pick up. And it picked up and we sold out the Wilbur. But I remember hearing people in the process of this, hearing people that didn't sell out the Wilbur and how that ruined their career. 
or like how it just fucked up their touring. Right. And I was like, I, it's been a fear of mine in this business of like, of like, I don't want to, um, I don't want to put myself out there too much because sometimes when the people that put themselves out there and believe they're better than they are, when they fail, people love to celebrate their failures. Right. I mean, that would even say with like with Dane Cook, people were excited when he didn't, when he, when things started to taper off, you know, oh, we I think definitely that's... talked shit about Dane on that podcast last night. <laughs> <Ugh>. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, we talk shit. I, you, as soon as you said that, I went, Oh my God. We, I think we, Oh God. Yeah. You're going to have to, I might have to listen to that podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, people love to celebrate their failures. Yeah. You know, it's like the, with the, the alt comedy scene was such a darling that when it kind of disappeared and like, Meg, I'm sure people are still doing alt. Com- I don't even know if anyone does alt comedy. It seems like nobody wants to associate themselves with it, but but, but there like, are. It is out there. It's out there, but it's like people would rather just do comedy and just be different. Like that was what was always blew me away about that. I was I was, I was like, I think all comedy. I, I think similar comedy is bad, bad idea. Right. You should do something different to you and be alternative from what everyone else is doing. Right. So like I remember saying to Gary Goldman, I do alt comedy. Like I do alternative comedy to what my friend does. Mm-hmm. Like I and I think now even more so. I feel like someone stand up last night goes was talking about me being a storyteller i go i do tell stories but i I think i tell jokes also i was like i don't know what am i doing right right but yeah like uh i i feel like i feel like uh like when the alt comedy scene started to disappear there were a lot of like like not me per se but a lot of like uh club comics that loved it they loved to hear that people couldn't sell tickets they loved it. And I was like, I was like, I don't know if I enjoy that someone can't sell to Like, I don't like that side of the business. I don't like celebrating people's failures. Right. Like, well, I never, I've never known what that's like trying to sell tickets. Like all my things are just, I get a flat rate from the club and that's it. Like, so like when I did my special, it was like, that was like one of my first times in 20 years of doing this, of like trying to sell tickets, which I had never, I didn't even know that was a thing. So what's your approach when you go into a club? Do you, do you, do you like when you, they just give me a rate and I, I, well. no, but I mean, I mean like when you go to wise guys, I, obviously if you don't have a bonus structure set in place, you don't care. But like, do you, do you do like promo videos or do you just do email blasts or I don't do any of that. I just, I just show up and I, I mean, I'll tweet it out and Facebook it. And so what's like been your that. approach for sharing this special How you've done? I've, I've done like some promos and I've tried to do, I've done the Facebook thing. Like, I don't really know what to do. Like, I'm the podcast, obviously, like trying to do. What other podcasts more. have you done? Uh, I just I did Jackie Cations. Dork Forest. <laughs> yeah, Dork loved Forest. loved Jackie Cation. Yeah, um, my my roommates uh, Hollywood. I think it's called Hollywood Anonymous or something like that. Uh, John Huck and Brian Irwin. Yeah, I know. Yeah, um, yeah, I had them on the podcast. Oh, did you? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I love John Huck. Yeah, John's great. I've known. Yeah, John. So yeah, they've been helpful. You know, I mean, honestly, I don't really know what to do. I don't really know how to get it out there other than to just kind of like I'm not used to doing this. Like really, in my 20 years of doing stand up, I've never like really put myself out there. I mean, Montreal, I guess I did, and that was kind of a kick in the gut. So this is my first time where it's just like, all right, this is what I. Do do this is like all my work like i hope people like it and it's so it's like a kick in the gut when you're trying to get attention for it or try to get people to to go to it you know and then you can see like 
they give you like a iTunes clicker of like how many people have viewed it. And it's like, holy shit, I need to get more people to get their eyes on this. So. And it starts Friday, right? Yeah. Um, I'm definitely going to buy it and I'm going to leave a comment oh, inspiring good. all of the people listening right now to not only purchase it, but leave a comment and we'll yeah. leave, we'll leave. I think what we should do is leave, um, glowing, excessively glowing reviews. <laughs> the more glowing, the more like make them enjoyable for us to read. There we so, go. so literally like I, I wrote a review of a, of a, oh, I wish I had my phone on me. I wrote a review of a, of a BLT one time at this, <laughs> at this restaurant. And, uh, I write, I used to, I used to write Yelp reviews. I used to love writing Yelp reviews. <laughs> My wife likes doing that too. And so, and, but I'd make them over the top. Mm-hmm. And like, I think the one I did for this BLT was, uh, I consider, I don't consider myself a religious man, but when it comes <laughs> to the bacon, lettuce and tomato sandwich at this diner in, uh, Michigan. And I just, and it's like paragraph upon paragraph about this BLT. <laughs> I did it, and 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 the best is the comment right after this. Fuck, I'm getting the BLT. <laughs> but the best is uh, our friends. Uh, oh shit! I think it was Eric Grusin. Someone's parents were in Vale, and they were like, uh, "Shit, we need a bag. Let's Yelp and see if we get any good bag stores." And there's three bag stores. By the way, I visited all of them. So I fell off a waterfall and I had to fly to Vale to do a show, and I couldn't use a backpack, so I had to buy a bag. Mm-hmm. And it was hard to walk, so I walked that whole day looking for a bag with my daughter and my wife. My other daughter was in DC, but with my daughter and my wife, and. I got to one bag shop and this lady was so great because she owned the bag shop and she didn't try to upsell me. Mm -hmm. I said, I want the most expensive bag. And she said, you don't need that. Get this bag. It's the bag I still have to this day. And I wrote a glowing review and my buddy's parents were in Vail going, we need to find a bag. And they go, holy shit, Bert wrote a review. And then they were like, oh my God. So this woman's gotten so much traffic through Yelp, through my review that I go, "That's, that's kind of what I'd like to do with my art. If I can be funny and goofy, and help someone so much better than the guy who put the bomb as funny as that is put the bomb <laughs> <God>. next. <laughs> clearly not one of did you ever hear the review someone did on uh they this guy he he just um it's the review i think it's the same guy that he reviewed a movie and he said this movie was like taking a two and a half hour tour given to me by someone else uh, of my living room. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Negative reviews are shitty. And it's a certain type of person that looks for the negativity and things. Right. I like to leave positive reviews. So let's leave legit ridiculously over the top but but realistic realistic <laughs> realistic positive reviews on Tom's on Tom's hour special yeah that would be nice I yeah because I mean I like I don't even read like my Conan comments like I was very oh, I happy with my Conan shit. set but I, I would never like my wife delved into that and I was like don't do it don't do it because she felt the need to defend me or you know I'm very happy with it like it's one of my favorite late night sets you know yeah I haven't done that many but but um but yeah, so it's like, but I don't worry about it. Like, I don't really, you know, obviously I want good reviews on this special, but yeah, you can't, I don't know. I just never put a lot of stock into that. I think, I think like in the last few years, I think I've been happier as a performer because I'm just doing things for myself. And like, I've, I've been with my agent for almost 20 years. Who's your agent? Uh, Stu Golfman. 
Uh, so Stu's been everywhere. Stu's gone from Omnipop to uh, innovative artists to everywhere. He's Omnipop been... used to book uh, Laughs Unlimited. Yeah, yeah. There was a guy that worked at Omnipop. I remember. Uh, TJ, uh, TJ. Mark Walter, yeah. Yo, that... TJ's over at Gersh now and couldn't take me with him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I'm happy with Stu. <laughs> right. But Stu has been great. I mean, but I, but I did drop Stu for a year because I was really frustrated with not, I wasn't going out or anything. And... But I'm back with him now, and he, I book like a show on HBO, uh, Room 104, where I play a cop, which was really cool. So it's like, but when I stopped working with Stu, it forced me to be more proactive in my career. And now that I'm back with him, I'm still proactive in my career, but now I've got him helping me along again. And I think it's just been a nice balance as opposed to sitting back and like, why am I not going out? Why am I not going out? Dude, you got you. you ha- I, I'll tell you what I think. In my opinion, this is what you need to do. You need to, uh, this, and this is this is my, um, this is my plan on me, is uh, create content consistently mm-hmm. to share with a group of people, so that you start a dialogue with a group of people, so that when you go to their cities, they want to see you in person and live and do stand up. Right. Um, be it on on like Twitter jokes or videos. I mean, I would, and if I were you, I would be doing more videos and putting them on one minute videos, putting them on Instagram, waiting till one of them catches and blowing it up there. Podcast. I don't know why you and your wife don't have a podcast. We talked about it. Yeah, that's my podcast is by far my most connective tissue with my fans. Yeah, and I, fans. Stan Hope and I were arguing about this last night. I don't call them fans. They're not fans. They're just. It's not fan is the wrong word. Is the people that like the shit. Not even all of it. A lot of people don't like all the shit. Mm-hmm. I know that, but like the shit I do. And this is better for me than Twitter. It's a free content that's delivered weekly to them. That and I can introduce them to cool shit. Like I guarantee you, the parts of this podcast they're gonna like is like you hearing you talk about your dad and the fucking and the way this business is fucked and creating your own content and like and and meeting your wife and us cheating on uh, or getting d- dumped by chicks and our low <laughs> points in the business and they're gonna be like god i kind of like t- uh, tom how do i connect with them right and it's super easy if you have a podcast because then they just while they're listening right now slide over and click uh subscribe right and then and then all of a sudden you're in their ear yeah. And look, I say this, I say this not as like a marketer, but as a fan of podcasting. Like there's so many, I was listening to a podcast. I say this all the time, but like I was listening to a podcast and someone was like, dude, you got to check out Ian Carmel's podcast. And I was like, I don't know Ian. I've met him one time. I met him one time in New York. I didn't even meet him before this. I didn't even meet him. And I just go, uh, what is it? And they're like all fantasy, everything. And I was like, or, I think I was listening to a podcast. And they said, and they said, Ian Carmel, all fans of everything, he dra- he drafts uh, stupid shit. Him and his friends do like a a, a draft <laughs> of stupid shit of like right. malls. All right, we're gonna draft all the cool shit in malls. Oh, I'm gonna start off my number one draft pick is gonna be the food court. You gotta have a good. And then they break down, and I literally swiped over, hit subscribe in the middle of listening to something, hit play, and listen to them draft. I think they drafted malls. And I fucking was laughing hysterically. I was like, oh my God, I'm a big fan. And so I would talk about it on my podcast all the time. And Ian Carmel, I'd get him, I'd see him on Twitter going, I don't know Bert, but thank you. Because he would get, get was getting listeners from my podcast oh, going wow. to his, and 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 it was just me right now. Like right, there are people right now that are scrolling over and going, Ian Carmel, fuck all fantasy everything. Uh, I know this guy. I know this guy. Um, I was just telling somebody the other day. Uh, uh, 
I just like the name of the uh, the podcast. It's called The Cum Boys. <laughs> I just liked it, and I listened to them, and then I hung out with Stavi, and I was like, oh, they're fucking... Those guys made me... They just... And it's because I'm a fan of podcasts because I, right. I've listened. Yeah, there, I have so many fucking podcasts I've subscribed to because I listen to Rogan's every fucking week. I listen right. to Rogan's podcast. I, I Because I listen to Rogan's, I now know I, I'm inspired by Cameron Haynes daily. Um, I follow Adam Greentree like we're besties. Like I follow him and go, Kim's, what, what's Kim up to? Oh, mm-hmm. is she having a glass of white wine? Well, you know that Adam doesn't drink. It's <laughs> fucking creepy how I know these people, you know? But it's it's this, but it's fun. It's a, it's a you know, it's, it's, it is weird when I go like, like uh, we were talking at dinner last night and someone said something about hunting. I said, oh, I have a couple friends that are really big bow hunters. And I was like, well, wait, hold on. I don't know if Adam Greentree would uh, say my friend Bert ever because we've never met. We've right. just chatted online twice. And uh, and but and then and then and Cameron Haynes. I've never met Cameron Haynes. So like I don't. But I it's you assume. Right. Um, the, the, you form a relationship. And so I know that I like that shit. So if I can offer that to people and then we all sit at the Clues Casino and drink until 2 a.m., then that's our thing. Yeah. Now my wife and I have talked. Start a podcast. Start a podcast. Start a podcast tonight. Yeah. Start a podcast tonight. All right. Start a podcast tonight. Don't have a plan. Just you and your wife. Just get on mic and start talking. You got to buy a mic. Don't. Don't. I I swear (laughs) to God, your wife's coming in here tomorrow. Yeah. For real? Yeah, or I don't yeah, know. What, yeah. I, I'll give you two mics and a recorder for you to take out and do a podcast, and then just have her drop it off tomorrow, and see if you like it. Just don't don't plan it. See if you like it. Post it, and start. A, and then if you like it, go buy yourself the equipment. It's super cheap, and do a podcast. Just right. you and your wife talking once a week. It's that's what Tom Segura and Christina Pachinski do, do. Yeah. and they have one of the biggest podcasts in the world. Really? Yeah. You know what they do? They just watch fucking bullshit on the internet and then just talk about it. Tom watches it first and then shares it with her and she watches it live and then they just bullshit about it and they talk about their days. They talk about shitting mm-hmm. and it's a great fucking podcast because their inside little jokes to each other are shared with us and then we all share these inside jokes like Bert is fat. That's a joke because I'm not clearly. I'm in great shape. <laughs> Start a fucking podcast. All right. If you want, I will give you two mics and a recorder that is fully charged and you can go in I got a better idea. How's this sound to you? Okay. This is going to be a long podcast. I'm going to give you a record. Will you do this? I'm going to give you a recorder. Your wife's coming into the valley tomorrow. Yeah. I'm going to give you a recorder and two mics. I want you to do a podcast and I'm going to tag it to the end of this. Mm-hmm. And that'll be your pilot episode. And all my fans can listen to you and your wife talk for 30 minutes, just 30 minutes. Okay. 30 minutes. And I'll tag it to the end of this. If you'd like. And have your wife come in tomorrow and just bring the gear back. We'll pull the card and we'll post it at the end of this. And that'll be your pilot episode. And then in in the podcast, just try to come up with a name for your podcast. Uh-huh. And format, just fuck around. Just you and your wife talk for 30 minutes. And I'm telling you, man, that's the best way to start that tissue with your fans. All right. I'll give it a shot. Dude, I've, I, I just love you, man. I think you're a great guy. I said, oh, look, I already you. said I love you. But you are a great guy. And you... <laughs> you're very, very genuine. And there aren't a lot of guys like that in this business. And it bums me out because I, I, I identify with what you feel like you're going through where there isn't a lane for us, you know, like sometimes because I feel like because I'm 45 and I, and I'm not like, I don't wear cool jeans. (laughs) 
and I and I don't know what Yeezys are. Right. Like I and like I don't have expensive stuff. I'm not flaunty. Like that that it's not sexy to the business. And I know what right. you're saying. So like I, I just want everyone to watch your special. I'll be getting it and and then we'll post this this week. All right. Awesome. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Don't All right. I'll it. give the podcast a shout. Yeah. Oh wait. No. No. I'm gonna post this. I'm gonna post this next week. Because then it'll be out on Amazon. Yeah, cause, yeah. Cause I don't want people to be able to go right to it and get it. Okay. So I'll post this ne- next week, and then hopefully we have Stanhope. Okay. I gotta go fucking do that. <laughs> yeah. This is my wife. Do you want to uh, meet her? I have you met my wife there. before? I have not met your wife. Leanne. Oh. My wife's aunt was like, "Oh, he's up. I can hear him go, Leanne." So I do that every oh, morning. There she is. Leanne. <laughs> Look at her face. She just <laughs> registers of like, hey, what's up, baby? Hey. Hi, how are you? Leanne, Tom was in uh, uh, South Africa with me for that festival. Long time ago? Ten years ago. Ten years ago. That one? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Not good. He came home a mess. Yeah. <laughs> Tom was there while I was messing I, it up. I was, saw, saw how messy hey, it was. If you're going to talk, talk to a mic. Um, I, I don't need it. I don't need it. Well, I know, but you're talking right now, and no one can hear you except for us. So they're guessing what you're saying. Okay. Um, she said Bert was a mess. Yeah, so we're. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to tell. I'm trying to convince Tom to start a podcast with his wife. His wife's a comedian as well, and uh, yeah, and and so I'm trying to. So I'm going to give him uh, a Zoom recorder and two mics, and let him take it out to his house tonight. And him and his wife are going to have a glass of wine and record their first podcast. And I'm going to tag it on to the end of this. Do you think that's a good idea, Leanne? Well, it depends. What are you going to talk about? Uh, well, this is what I'm. Do you understand? I wish Jair was here. Well, yeah, I mean, it's always a great idea to sure. try something new. That's what I mean. But I mean, what are you going to talk about? I don't know. That's that's he's, just for, be he's forcing me into this. Just be you. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Maybe being a married couple and, and uh, newly married. And, oh, you're newly married? Well, two years in. OK, that's and, pretty new. Yeah. And we um, yeah, we've been married forever. Go ahead. <laughs> you're telling me. <laughs> um. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's a great idea. I think yeah. a lot of people. I know based on the response we've gotten from the Jair podcast, a lot of people are. You don't know what the Jair podcast no. is. Okay, so last week we did a podcast with a guy that is a behavioral analyst. Oh yeah, and he analyzed our behavior and then talked to us about our individual behavior and how they kind of do and don't work together. Right. So. Um, a lot of people have been emailing saying that was really awesome, that it was very helpful. Because, you know, most people are married. Right. And uh, so I think li- listening, I think like, true. what? I don't think most people are married. I think most people are married or <laughs> uh, have been married. You mean most people in the world? In the United, or the people who listen to your podcast. Okay, okay. That's a different stat. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So. Uh, well, that's a good thing. I mean, everyone's going to thinking about getting married at some point so yeah. i mean it's a, it's a very universal thing i'm on your wife's side here yeah. it is and you know that what they keep saying is thank you for um letting us peek inside yeah i mean that's the thing is that i think most people are not confident enough in their marriage to be open with the public right. about the the like pros and cons because everybody has cons right. in every marriage and if you say you don't then you're either full of shit or you're really gonna but go the wrong. Has direction. he ever crossed a line where you're like, Bert, what are you doing? When he came back from South Africa. Oh really? Yeah. Wow. 
Yeah, I was like, you will not be doing that again. Wow. Remember? Because yeah. well, I was really close to your, your child being born, right? I mean, that, that, She was small, yeah. but he came back an absolute mess from that. Like you had a detox or... Uh-huh. Oh, wow. It was messy. You don't remember that? No. And I, you don't remember me saying you will not be doing that again? I don't think I've ever told you you couldn't do anything except for that. Wow. Yeah. I mean, even <laughs> with all the stuff with the this, Travel so. Channel stuff... I wasn't, you know, wasn't a big fan, but I didn't emphatically say you'll not be doing that again. But three weeks in South Africa, and you came back like a puddle. You were a mess. Yeah, was hanging out with that Steve Hughes. That's who it was. <laughs> I knew his name was Steve. It was bad. I don't know what happened over there. I don't want to know what happened. Yeah, you should have hung out with me more. Probably, because yeah. you seem pretty normal. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know that Steve Hughes guy, but... He's a wild man. I know the effect he had on my wild man. I remember. I remember some of the videos Bert posted on MySpace. There's one of the funniest. On MySpace. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. That was one of the best is Tom had his camera. I, this oh, is, yeah. That's, you, I have a. Yeah, it's on YouTube. The uh, we're, we're on a. Uh, uh, one of the mountains there, Cape of Good Hope, and yeah. uh, there's all these little African girls, school children, or African kids, school children, and uh, they just kept repeating everything I said. And so uh, Tom was going, uh, Tom Clark. Guys, www.tomclark.com, and they go www.tomclark, and he goes Tom Clark, and they go Tom Clark. And they go, he goes, Tom Clark is awesome. And they go, Tom Clark is awesome. I go, Tom Clark's gay. And they start laughing and they go, Tom Clark's gay. Tom is gay. Tom is gay. And they start chanting it. Right. Just like all these school children, oblivious to what they're saying and how hurt I was. That was, the, that was the day we were saying we played the game who could get the closest to killing Tom Clark. That's right. Bert was, <laughs> Bert was a real bully. I, um, I, by the way, hold on, hold on. I don't this think it was. It, yeah, that's true. It's not yeah. was. It wasn't a bully. He is. You, that was the first time I'd ever had someone come up. Tom came up to me and he was like, he was like, hey, were you really playing a game to see if you could kill me all day? And we had been, but I, but I said, yeah. And he goes, I, I just hurts my feelings because I would have liked to play along. I didn't want to be the butt of the joke. <laughs> right. And I go, I go, I never looked at that. There was a butt of that. Someone was the butt of the joke. And he was like, it, the joke, the game was who can kill Tom Clark. And I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sorry. But it was fun. If you, if it wasn't you, you would have loved it. <laughs> It was, yeah, that it was, was like my first taste of like bullying in like <laughs> since like grade school. Oh but it wasn't. I wasn't was bullying. Kill Tom Clark is a bullying game. I think he prefers the word hazing. Hazing, yeah, right. yeah. Which I'm, is the adult but, form. But of I didn't want to be part of any group or any. Right. <laughs> yeah, he, <laughs> I didn't want to be part of the group. By the way, I that day I had uh, Tom pulled me aside and said, "Hey, that hurt my feelings." I, I, I just would appreciate you if you didn't do that. And I was, I felt really bad. And then Andre Vincent said, I can't be around you anymore. And I was like, why? And he was like, he was like, you cast a really large wake. He's like, cause I, I do this thing. What was happening that day is I, I get this thing. It's called firing hot where I can't, I can't calm down and I can't turn it off. And, it, and that whole day I was firing hot. I couldn't shut up. And, I, and at the end of the night, we're all getting ready to go to that bar. It's me and Steve and Andre. And you had said something to me, I think, in the lobby. And then Andre said something to me right after it. Because mm -hmm. Andre was the one playing the game the most with me. Right. And I think Andre felt guilty because you might have said something to Andre. Yeah. And Andre felt really bad. And then I was like, 
And then I just went up to the bar with Steve. He's like, don't worry, mate. It's me and you. <laughs> and so we just got fucking hammered that night. But I was like, I was like, well, I'm, maybe I did fuck up. But it was a really fun game if you weren't you. <laughs> like, I'd implore anyone else to play the game. Well, yeah, the predator in the predator prey kind of thing is the one that has fun. Right. The prey is not really fun. Bear versus bunny. What? Jesus. <laughs> Still learning. <laughs> anyway, okay. I got groceries. I got to put it. Yeah, this podcast took a turn. Yeah, we should. Yeah, we should. Nice meeting you. I know. Yeah, you bring Leanne in. She thinks she's a fucking pro. <laughs> uh, you're the one that called me in. That's you were true. you were waving and going, "Bring me in." I was not. I was putting chicken <laughs> feed in the chicken coop. Shut up. All right. <laughs> Good luck with your podcast. That's all. Thank you. Start a podcast. I will. You'll be the first guest and we'll talk about Bert. Awesome. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. My wife will drive out. She'll do it in a heartbeat. My wife loves being on air. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. All right. Well, I think we've uh, accomplished we've some good things. How, how much time have we done? Oh my god, that's good. So yeah. that we'll we'll tag on if you want. You don't have to because now I feel like I'm bullying you. But <laughs> I do think I do think. No, it's something we've definitely talked about. I, I mean, I just don't know how, what it all entails. And the, all the, that, I think so. the important thing. I'm speaking from my experience. I was super nervous about starting a podcast. I'd done like recorded like five episodes, six episodes. I record them all the time, and they were just, and then. One day, Segura called me. He was like, "We're all they're all coming." I think it was Easter. They're all. I think I think that's when I did my first episode. Everyone was coming over to my house. My dad was here. Joey was coming over, and Tom was coming over. And Tom was like, "Hey, do you have your podcasting equipment?" And I said, "I I have some of it." And he goes, "Get it all set up and get it ready, and we're gonna podcast." when in the middle of the party and that will be your first podcast and we're just going to upload it and get you fucking moving and so i went okay and it's just pulling off the band-aid it's just doing it look there's not a lot of people are going to listen to your first ones right but they'll but they'll check it out and they'll stick around because it'll get better my podcast i don't know if it's gotten better technically but it's but it's definitely gotten better from that first one at least in just the audio by itself it just sounds better but like it's gotten better and it'll get better it'll get better and by the time like allow it's like stand up allow yourself to suck for a year and then it'll by that by that time and then you can go in when you go into it yeah i check out my podcast when you're doing radio in salt lake city and everyone's like oh i loved his comedy mm-hmm. at the end of the show check out my podcast and you'll start accruing listeners and fans and then and then you can go and promote stuff through your podcast and that's your little pirate ship that is adam carolla calls it right but uh but yeah and if you want i will totally give you two mics and a recorder and we can post it on the end of this or do your own thing and when if you want you and your wife can come over and promote it once you've got it going and I, I, we'll do a four part way podcast you your wife and me and my wife okay why don't we do cool. that yeah that'd be good you guys start your podcast and and do it and when you've got it up and running and you got a couple episodes up come over and we'll do a four way podcast on here we'll have a glass of wine and we'll all bullshit and we'll talk about your podcast and you and parents my wife would have loved to talk to you about your dad yeah would have loved she loves that shit but uh, I appreciate you. The name your special is Outraged. Outraged. It's on iTunes. It's on Amazon. You can pre-order it on. You can just buy it. Just when buy this it. is out, you can get it. So yeah. go right now. Leave a, a glowing review on iTunes and read my review and yeah. comment on my review <laughs> and buy it and watch it and find this guy. He's funny as shit and he's a great guy. And Thank I'm sorry you. I bullied you. <laughs> again, I'm sorry. I'm saying sorry again. It's fine. I love you. Ten years ago. I love you. I love you too.
This episode was brought to you by The Machine.